Damn on a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults. This is serious journalism, people. Serious. <laughs> this time, this, this like, time we mean it. If you think that there are not birds that are not <laughs> real, you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions yes. interrupt mm. technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear? Where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words. Why, Abby, why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. There is a pattern here that is definitive, and mm -hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, yes. which is not the way that you Amazing. want to play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions, defying laws of physics, showing up over battlefields, showing up over important historical events for all of history. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since Act 1. It's Act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go off. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of Conspiracy Pilled. I'm Abby Libby. I'm here with PJ Williams. How are you, PJ? I have a shred of my sanity left, so I'm just ready to go. Just yeah. just enough to do a podcast. Yeah, maybe. This is the the last time we're going to yeah. talk about Tartaria. <laughs> Hopefully forever. Hopefully ever. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys are just tuning in now, this is part three of our Tartaria coverage. Uh, I'll give a little recap here in a second. But if you haven't watched the first two episodes, you guys should go back and watch those because uh, some of this just won't make sense. Uh, I think anyway, I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's not going to make sense. That's what I'm trying to say, dude. I'm like, slice it. I'm trying to make it make sense, which has been the it's been the whole problem with this is right. I was telling Abby before the show. I'm like, I could have done this or I could have found this or I could have searched this deeper. And I'm like, man, I freaking put so much time into chasing down things that the people promoting this are not chasing yeah. down and or talking about. Um, and some of it, some of it, as I'll show you guys, took five seconds. There's like hundreds, hundreds of thousands of TikToks on one subject and five <laughs> seconds of research. And I was like, oh, that's they know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the point is that PJ <clears throat> cares about researching Tartaria more than the people who believe Tartaria. And it's driving me a little, little bit insane. insane. So uh, thank you guys for being here for the insanity. Shout out to all of our new subscribers this week. <clears throat> on locals, we have Watch Died Suddenly and Rum Rum Hamlet with one-time support. We have Conspiracy Nurse and Van Wing as new monthly subscribers, and Miss Dendy and Extra or Ex <laughs> Expert Yiga, Expert Riga as a yearly. So thank you guys for coming over. How if you guys want to support it, <laughs> I'm trying. If you guys want to support us, you can uh, come over to conspiracypill.locals.com, download the locals app, and support us there. Uh, you and if you get a yearly membership, you get two months for free. Also, we have some Rockfin subscribers. It's another way to support us. Drew, Ryan, Mimi Walker, and Corey Pond over on Rockfin, Woo. which is like a Netflix subscription for conspiracy theorists. So you can come over to rockfin.com slash conspiracy pilled. And on Odyssey, we have Nick Gordo. So I feel like that's the most we've read at the beginning of a show so far. So thank you guys for coming over and supporting the show. It must be because they wanted to know if the world was going to end on September 23rd. Yes. That's honestly, that's the only explanation I can, yeah. I can... It was weird because last week we had nobody to read out. And then this week it's like 
five million people. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, <laughs> and on, I mean, honestly, last week should have been our last show. I thought we were all going to get raptured right? and and all that. But as we'll see tonight, maybe maybe the rapture already happened. That's part oh, of the conspiracy maybe that's tonight. Why. Okay. So. Cool. Giving you guys a quick recap on, on where we've been. The first episode, we talked about the mud floods in Grand Tartary and kind of gave our thoughts that uh, Grand Tartary was this region between Russia and Asia. And if there was a cover-up, they did a really terrible job considering there's books and maps right. and references and CIA documents that they just released to us telling us about a cover-up, which is not what that CIA document says. But people will disingenuously read that paragraph and leave out the last line of the paragraph and the other 14 pages to make a point. Nice. Uh, and that mud floods are believed just because. Just because. Because we want to. I know people will like hate that one, but like legitimately, they're showing us mud floods where they just happen to flood right up to like where the door is. Like it's not that right. not they regraded streets or anything like that. It's it's mud floods and you have to believe it. Uh, then we talked about the World's Fair, which we kind of proved were actually temporary cities, at least most most of the parts of the city right. were temporary. Uh, and that there is something going on there, but I don't think it's what the Tartarians are saying. So you guys can, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, my belief in this whole thing has been, it's kind of a Gnostic fairy tale, fairy tale. And I say that again, because the further I dive into it, especially this week, the more clearly it's stated, I saw people, uh, saying that the Tartarian empire conspiracy theory led them to believe that Jesus has a bloodline through Mary Magdalene, that God is a demiurge and that the Nephilim giants are peaceful Utopia, uh -huh. like it's it, it's more and more clear. And at the end of the show, I'll give you some more examples that the f deeper you go into the Tartaria stuff, the more it becomes openly Gnostic teaching. But and I've said this from the beginning because I know a lot of people are like, but I believe, I believe in Tartaria and I like your show. Not everything in it is useless garbage. And that was why we set up and kind of knocked down the things that I think are a distraction or or and kind of tried to prove it to you as best as we could. Um, and today we're going to be focusing on the Christian understanding of the events as well as lost technology. And in this, I find the most compelling arguments. I find the most true things in it. Uh, there's some, there's a lot of BS in it as well, but we have some really interesting stuff to talk about. So this all kind of is leading us here. I want to, again, the Tartaria research has been driving me nuts guys. Um, so I'm excited to share with you. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to make people mad. But uh, the last thing I want to say is that because we're going to be talking about es uh, eschatology and Christian beliefs and things like that, I just want it to be clear that some of you guys are going to disagree with me. We're going to be sharing our beliefs when it comes to our interpretations of the Bible and eschatology. Uh, but I think that the thing to understand, if you're a Christian watching this show and you're trying to understand Tartaria and, and, and Revelation and eschatology uh, from a Christian standpoint, that the key is Jesus, right? Like this right. is something I've talked about for a long time is that I believe that we can have these disagreements. Uh, I had a, a guy one time tell me when I used to be in a Christian band that uh, when we were on the road with a bunch of other Christian bands, they're all going to have different beliefs come from different denominations. And we kind of took this idea of bullet doctrines. Like, would you take a bullet for this doctrine mm. uh, and, and everything else you can talk about and, and, and argue about, but it's not like worth, you know, knock down, drag out, like end sure. friendship type fights. Uh, and I also believe in this thing called like open hand, close hand, like there's open handed issues that we could disagree on. And then there's other ones that are just like absolute heresies. <laughs> right. So that's kind of where I'm coming at this from. Because I know, I know we've been talking in Discord a lot this week with everybody on this subject, and uh, I know a lot of people in Discord have very different beliefs than I do, and I'm going to try to represent your beliefs as honestly as possible and give ours, right. uh, but that's kind of my thoughts. So do you have anything to add to that? That was a long spiel. Um, I think that if you're kind of on the fence about eschatology stuff, I would refer you to our Revelation stream, Zuh, 
our whole series so. of Revelation streams because we just read through and talked mm-hmm. about stuff and we're like, where does this verse take us? You know, what 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 does a plain reading of the text in, seem seem to lead to? Where does it where right. does it seem to lead to? And kind of entertaining all those thoughts. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, that's there. I agree. And I also, I love it because through that and through this show and through readings of Daniel and Ezekiel and other stuff that we've done, I feel like we're trying to to learn all the time too. We're yeah. trying to teach. We're trying to learn. We're trying to have a community and talk with each other. Um, it's, again, I'm just going to plug the discord. That's been such a help with this research and it's been just popping off this week. People have been having crazy conversations about everything. So if you like the show, you want to talk with people in the community, uh, you can go to conspiracypill.com. It's where all of our links are. You can join the Discord. It's it's a lot of fun. So um, we'll have conversations even after the show about whatever you guys think I got wrong because it'll be fun. So <laughs> where do we start? Where do we start? We start with the flood. That's where I want to start with this. Okay. Which which right. one? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we're going to start with the Genesis 9, 9-11 flood. <laughs> got the 9-11 no, another, flood. Another, another disaster on 9-11. Got it. Uh, and <laughs> Genesis 9-11 uh, says, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more flood to destroy the earth. That's the King James version, but there's other versions. They all basically are saying through the rainbow, through the promise that God is not going to flood and destroy the world ever again. Mm. And Tartarian theorists say JK, LOL, essentially like this is where my first kind of issue comes in biblically is that uh, yeah. biblically. Yeah. Like I, I always found it kind of weird that there's Christian Tartarian theorists who are like, God said he'd never flood the world again, but what <laughs> if it was a mud flood? <laughs> <laughs> he said he wouldn't do it with water, PJ, not yeah. water mixed with dirt. Cause floods. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the thing. Like some of the, some of the Christian Tartarian theorists, continue to believe in the mud flood, despite the fact that the whole Tartarian thing is kind of taking all the evidence, the geological evidence and the mm-hmm. historical story evidence and things like that to explain the mud floods. They're saying, look, we have all this geological evidence. There was a massive worldwide flood, even though that's been a talking point for a long time about the biblical story of Noah and how there's all these people talking about floods all over the world. They kind of co-opt that. So I find that weird. And then other Tartarian uh, theorists kind of do away with that in a, this alternative view of the great reset, which is the second resurrection. And that's where we begin with uh, revelation 20. So I just got to read revelation 21 through eight to you guys really quick. And then we'll get into how all this ties into the Tartarian theory. So it says, uh, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand, the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed over and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. They came to life and and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are uh, at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. Hmm. So this theory in is is where the, or sorry not this theory this this verse is where we get this idea of the millennial kingdom 
And in this, there is this timeline that I'm going to share with you. And if you have questions, let me know. But essentially, it's saying people are, you know, there's, there's going to be the end of the world. Satan's going to be thrown in the pit. There's a thousand year reign, this mm-hmm. millennial kingdom. And then afterwards, people will come back. They'll get a second chance at redemption. Satan will be there to deceive them. They'll get a second chance at redemption. That's kind of the plain reading of it from this, okay. from this view. Um, and if you disagree or have questions or whatever, let me know. But like that's, I'm trying to yeah, relate yeah. it from the point of the, so yeah, in this, we get this, this timeline. And in this timeline, you've got from Adam to Jesus, 5,000 years. Okay. Which is interesting because it doesn't really jive with the rest of the Tartarian stuff. And a lot of this won't. And that's kind of the point. Okay. Uh, Cause they're just all over the place on timelines, even BC timelines. Like some, I think some people believe that all of BC was made up. The earth is only just over a thousand years old, like in its entirety. Okay. But it really, again, it's Reddit threads and stolenhistory.org and TikTok. So everybody's got a different belief, but in this gotcha. basic general belief, you got the 5,000 years that are mm-hmm. documented in the old Testament. And then you have Jesus life and ministry from one to 33 AD Okay. You have the early church from 34 to 62 AD. And then from 63 to 70 AD is the tribulation. Okay. And yeah. So in this view, the tribulation was, and this will vary. Some people put it, this timeline that I have, which was from a very popular video. We'll play some clips from in a minute. Ends it at 70. Some people would put that actually 70 would be more like in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically the destruction of the temple and the persecution of the Christians and the fall of the Roman empire all rolled into uh, tribulation, right? Like, so all of these okay. things are being talked about by John were not written in 95 AD, but written in 68 AD, which is a big debate amongst scholars. There's kind of this whole debate uh, based on the early church fathers. Some said that, John was uh, exiled to Patmos by Nero and other ones say, uh, I forgot to write his name down, but Dominus or whatever his name is. Am I, you know who I'm talking about, right? I totally should have put that in my notes, but I'm not sure. uh, Another, another emperor in the, in the nineties. Okay. He's the one that the, that the early church fathers said that he tried to boil John alive in oil and then John survived. And then he sent him off to Patmos. Okay. So John lived for about a hundred years and died in Ephesus and he's got his tomb there and that's pretty well agreed on. But there's a debate over when he was actually exiled and when he wrote uh, Revelation. Domitian. Yeah, thank you. I knew it wasn't quite right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So after, after all of this, you've got the resurrection of the body, the the resurrection of the saints and this Mm -hmm. millennial kingdom from essentially... 60, essentially 70 AD. Some people will say that this is one AD after that. It's really doesn't really matter a ton, but the point is that it's a literal thousand year reign of Christ and of the saints. And this is where this is, this is actually what Tartaria is about. And this is why I say it's kind of tart. It's already kind of Tartaria adjacent where it's not really about this stretch of land between Russia and Asia. Right. Some people will say it is uh, probably because the the seven churches of Turkey are kind of, you know, in Asia, a lot of the early, I don't know, it's, it depends on who you talk to. Again, like anything with Tartaria, I could say this is the thing. And then and somebody n- would be like, no, ev- everybody yeah. disagrees. Yeah. Nobody, nobody agrees. No consistent on, theory. Gotcha. No. Right. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so let's see. Then, then you uh, around 1820, according to this, 
okay. which would actually be 1,000. Uh, there's about 800 years of false history that have okay. been kind of in, interjected into this 1,000 years. So around what we would think of as 1,800 to 1,865, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. you have the Great Reset. And this is when the people who were bound up in, in the pit with Satan are given another chance at life and that Satan is is kind of over this deceiving the nations again. And okay. this is the time we live in. And in the in in the Bible, it says that this will be a short season. So people are interpreting this as in if there's a thousand years, if it's divided into four, there's four seasons, the short season would be less than 250 years. So we're kind of at the end of this short season. So what I find interesting about this is both the like pre-trib, like we're going to like, or not, it doesn't even have to be pre-trib, but people who do not believe in the pre view right. and people who do are both kind of thinking, are we, are we at the end? <laughs> like, at the end. So, yeah. So no matter what you think <clears throat> that a coming is coming. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> just a question of which one <laughs> is the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So there's, there's at least agreement on that. People will say that there's not, but I was like, no, I think everybody's agreeing that like, it feels like maybe things are not super right. Good. Yeah. Because, right. Because if, if you think the thousand year reign, even if you don't believe in Tartaria, if you think the thousand year reign started when Jesus. Well, what would like, have started at, well, after the destruction of the temple, like that was tribulation. Right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So <clears throat> you'd have to, Unless you're saying a thousand years isn't a thousand years and it's in its metaphorical for a really long period of time. Some people hold that belief, but that belief will not really be super important to what we're talking about. Okay. Okay. Um, Cause again, like I had to study and just like refresh myself on all of the different branches of end time eschatology. Okay. And there's way more than I thought. I was actually calling this belief post millennialism and realizing that I was wrong. It's actually preterism. So preterism, uh, for people who don't know, is this Christian eschatological view that interprets some, there's partial preterism, or full preterism, all the prophecies of the Bible as events which have already been fulfilled in history. And this school interprets the book of Daniel as referring to the events that happened from the 7th century BC until the coming of Jesus. And then it interprets all the things that John talked about in Revelation as being fulfilled in that tribulation that right. culminated in the... The, the, well, I, I say the destruction of Rome because this is one of the Tartarian beliefs, actually. And it's kind of, a, I don't know if it's a preterist belief. This is where like the, it gets a little muddy. It's a little muddy. Okay. Because the idea is even though Rome supposedly fell over a long period of time and kind of fell in what, like 400 and some AD and then became the Byzantine Empire, what really happened is Rome fell right there, 70 AD. Like it all happened at once and there's about 450 years of false history thrown in as, as a deception. It's kind of kind of what it is, right? Um, one of the things that they talk about in this is the, and this gets talked about a lot in the, uh, Tartaria stuff is the coins. So you're familiar with like Anno Domini, right? Like yeah. in the year of our Lord, in the year of our Lord. Yeah. So in the year of our Lord, meaning in the year since Jesus Christ it gets kind of interpreted differently where in the year of our Lord actually refers to in the years of the millennial kingdom. And I'm going to try to explain this, but I think it'd be better if I just show you like a clip from this, this video that, that explains it a little bit about the I's and J's. Okay. From the start, everyone goes to work creating a new civilization, presumably amongst the aftermath of the Great Tribulation. We see an explosion of creative energy in every area of life. 
what immediately emerges is a society dominated by Christian ethics and virtues. The people spend their days laboring in some way for God's kingdom. The people in their mortal bodies will now live longer lifespans and bear children as normal. The new people born into the kingdom now have the choice to accept or reject Christ. While it was the golden age of human history, it was in no way perfect, as mortal mankind in its fallen state still struggled with the problem of sin. It does appear that there were conflicts along the way, the true nature of which is unclear. We okay, can... this is not actually what I meant to play. I, I pulled up a few clips from this same video. So these are the Timeline Deceptions Part 1 and 2 from Exploring hmm. Tartaria. Uh, that one was just kind of explaining like w- a way why we still see sin and war and things like that in this supposed perfect millennial kingdom. So right. that, that was something I meant to play. Problem. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is a big problem to me as well. Uh, but that wasn't the video I meant to play. This is gotcha. actually the part I meant to play. During the kingdom, a three-digit dating system was used, usually preceded <clears throat> by the letter I. It is believed that this letter I stands for Isus or Jesus, which means Jesus in Greek and Latin. There seems to be several other variations of the spelling and pronunciation of Jesus' name just within Latin alone, as well as other languages. Sometimes there are other characters that precede the three-digit date, such as a J or lowercase i, as well as unfamiliar characters that may be derived from Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew. One of the best ways I've found for finding examples of a non-numeric character in the year is by looking at genuine coins that have survived from the Millennial Kingdom. Here we have a coin that we would be told is from the year 1621. However, we see that the character in the first digit is different from the numeral 1 in the last digit, and therefore we can conclude that the first digit is not a numeral 1. Here we have another coin that we would be told is from the year 1700, but obviously the character in the first digit does not resemble a numeral 1, and there is a large space separating it from the three-digit year. We can deduce that this coin is not from 1700, but the year 700 of the kingdom. Here we have another more subtle example, but we can see that the relief of the letter I in the date is more refined and congruent with the other letters. Okay, so this is where this is this is where like my one issue comes in with this. Sure. Well, I shouldn't just say one. Oh shoot! Gosh dang it! I did it again. Um, <clears throat> what's the year on that one? Eighteen ninety. Right. <laughs> this is where it like throws me a little bit. Is it eight ninety or is it eighteen ninety? Because eighteen ninety is like post. You know what I mean? Oh, they're saying that would be post reset. It would be post reset. So it's kind of it's kind of one of those things oh. where it's like, is this is 1890, which is post reset. Is that also false history still? Or is it like this is right. I, and I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit here. Um, I'm n- I also can't verify what she was saying about that first one actually being thought of as 1700. I wouldn't be surprised. That coin looked really old. So I don't know if that one was an actual Genuinely, coin from 700, yeah. but um, that that's at least the theory is the I and the J actually stand for like in the year of our Lord or Jehovah. The, the, mm-hmm. it gets really fuzzy and I'm trying to represent this as honestly as possible. It gets really fuzzy because some people will say that the I is the first thousand years and the J is later, but it kind of conflicts with the whole, it's right. only a thousand like, years thing. It's, it's, it is what it, at any given moment, it's the thing that's most convenient to the theory. But yeah, not a, consistent it, it, a little bit. Standard. Yeah, it's a little okay. weird. Again, like 1890 threw me off because I'm like, it's post 
So I don't know. Are they trying to pass this off as, I don't know. That's where the timeline gets a little, little bit weird. So anyway, anyway, so, (laughs) (laughs) um, preterism. I want to, I want to make sure I represent this good. I've got a few videos and, and, and things like that to, to represent this. I also want to talk about some of the proofs, uh, that, that they point out. Um, proofs. Yay. I love yeah, proofs. Yeah. So much fun. <laughs> uh, the first one is just that the idea that uh, Christ would come quickly. This, this gets mm-hmm. brought up a lot. Um, people will point to, uh, well, you know, I'm just going to share this, uh, with you really quick. It's, Cause again, I don't want to misrepresent it and meshed. Cause the, like there's the whole argument for Christians who have this eschat- eschatological view who don't believe in Tartaria make some arguments. And then the Tartaria thing has just kind of been enmeshed for a lot of people. It seems it definitely feels that way. And again, like what I'm reading here, I don't think this actually has anything to do with Tartaria. This is just straight up preterism. So the, the marriage mm. of the two is interesting and I want to delve into like why I find it interesting as the episode goes along. Okay. Um, but yeah, some of this is not like tar- Tartaria specific. Okay. So in this one, it's uh, the idea is Jesus, are, Jesus already come and we're living in Satan's little season of deception. I can prove this simply because the book of Revelation, as it is written in the state of the seven churches today. So one of their proofs is it there's the seven churches in uh, Turkey are, are not around anymore. So mm-hmm. there's kind of the other idea that this is like the spirits of those things, the ideas that they're, they're meant for all churches. Right. Um, and then they'll give verses like things which must shortly come to pass for the time is at hand. I, John, who am also brother and companion in the tribulation. So there's all that. Um, What Jesus said to the seven churches, I will come unto thee quickly. And again, I'm I'm not of the preterist view, but I'm not going to spend this episode really debating it a ton um, because I feel like that would just take up the episode. What I would love to do, though, is maybe have someone on who who believes this and have a conversation maybe on a Monday night, like Bible study type stream to to delve in this more. I'll give some thoughts on it. And I, I know you will as well, but like. I don't want to make this whole show about preterism because there's so much right. to get to in right. this one. Uh, and they'll point out quickly is not 2000 years. Um, and then kind of like go into it from there. So that's, that's the basic uh, idea of it. There's also this verse in second Peter two ten, which comes up and I'm going to show you some pictures here at the end of this thread uh, that they'll point to where it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night and in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth. Also the works that therein shall be burned up. So people will hmm. point to that verse and say the, the tribulation came with a, with a fervent heat. And that's why you see what looks like kind of like melted rocks huh. in these old Turkey. That's not Turkey. That's Tartaria stuff, but these old structures in Turkey, but, but just Turkey. Like I've never seen. Well, this yeah. Stuff. Again, if if you're thinking of the seven churches that are spoken about in the beginning of Revelation. Oh, oh, is is there is there a position that it wasn't worldwide? It was just for the seven so, churches. Yeah, that's also part of the the difference, right, between okay. uh, a later viewer, historicist viewer, whatever you want to call it, uh, and a preterist view is the the worldwide stuff. There's a lot of things there. Gotcha. Like the idea essentially is that um, <clears throat> why can't I think of his name? The the emperor. Uh, Nero, if you, mm-hmm. if you put Nero Augustus in Gematria, it equals 666 and mm. that Nero stamped his head on coins uh, and they would kind of, so there's kind of some debate on that of being like the mark of the beast, like sure. you have to pay for Nero, pay for this certain market in Rome with coins stamped with Nero's head. 
Uh, there's, there's a lot. And again, like we could go into it all night, but like, that's, I just want to kind of show some of what they're talking about. There's also a debate that I brought up earlier about when revelation was written. Was it written in 68 AD? Was it written in 95 AD? Cause that would make a huge difference. So they, sure. they're obviously going to argue for the 68 AD interpretation. Yeah. And then the one thing that I, I just, I don't know, push back on maybe a little bit is this reading of Matthew 24. Cause a lot of the argument hinges around that. And I just want to point this out to say that there is legitimate other ways to look at, at this verse. Sure. Uh, and then we'll move on from this. But like <clears throat> what it said, what it's talking about is um, the key to it, the key to, I'm just, this is from got questions. It's a biblical uh, answer thing. It says the key to understanding what Jesus meant by this generation will not pass until all these things take place is in the context. That is, we must understand the verses are surrounded by Matthew 24, 34. And we covered this some in our Matthew yeah. stream as well. So I'm, people already know kind of our thoughts on it, but yeah. just reiterating it a bit, especially the verses prior to it, Matthew 24, four through 31, Jesus is clearly giving a prophecy. He's speaking of future events. Jesus also told those living during his earthly ministry that the kingdom had been taken from them. Mm. Therefore it is imperative that Matthew 24 through 25 be seen as dealing in a future time. The generation that Jesus speaks of not passing until he returns is the future is a future generation namely the people who are living when these predicted events occur. Right. He predicts some events and then he says this generation <clears throat> will not pass away until. Right. And I, and then we pointed that out, events. which which oh my gosh, my dog came in here. <sighs> um, anyway, we pointed that out. And then also there's the other version of this, which is the, the dual prophecy thing, which right. is actually really important in the Bible. If you think about when in the new Testament, it talks about how uh, the sun will come out of Egypt and in the New Testament, it says this was fulfilled in Jesus, okay. but it was also filled in Moses. It's a right. dual. Yeah. 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 So I've, I've it, heard it like talked about, like you have the foothills and the mountains of the prophecy. Like Moses would be the foothill prophecy. And then Jesus would be the mountain, much, much bigger fulfillment of the same prophecy. Right. So many people believe that Matthew 24 is talking about the destruction of the temple and of the end times. It's a dual fulfillment prophecy because it is kind of odd if you read it in its full context, that it kind of shifts from one to the other. And again, if it's a preterist view, you're going to say they're the same event. So I'm just pointing that out, not to, to get into a big argument about it, but just to say, I do think there are legitimate other ways to look at this and mm -hmm. everybody's going to have a different interpretation. We can have conversations about it, but that is essentially the preterist view. Um, what, what's interesting is again, I talked about the timeline getting kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rome falls in the same seven year period as, as Israel, according to this kind of mm. mesh. Of, well, I don't know if it's a mesh. I don't know if preterists believe that always, but definitely in this kind of Tartarian preterist view, okay. uh, is that this happens in the same seven year period. There's about seven to 800 years of false history where I find this a little interesting is that a lot of the preterist view is, is talking about the early church fathers which I don't fully understand like things like that and the council of Nicaea and stuff like that. Right. And the false history, like this is what, I, this is what bothers me is like when you get into false history and everything's a little false and everything's mm -hmm. fake, it's kind of a bit of a catch 22. It's kind of like, right. My false history proves my point. Yeah. The history like, that's entirely fake proves what I believe. Is it false or does it prove your point? It's good. So you got to pick one. It's a little bit about, and look again, I'll say this. There's parts of history that are faked. My, my problem with it is like all of history and everything being faked. And again, like, yeah, it's, it's hard for me as a fan of literature and art and things like that to look at history and not, I mean, even language, like you can study right. the, the evolution of language and things like that, but I find a little hard to just throw, throw, throw the baby out with the bathwater on, on all of those things. Like 
Anyway. It's all fake except the things that prove my theory. That is 90% of my frustration with Tartaria, for sure, for sure. So uh, where else that this theory breaks from the mainstream Tartarian belief uh, is important. One of them, the first one, the big one, I think, is that the Jesuits are generally the bad guys in the Mm. rewriting of history. They're the guys who killed Jesus and made up the Bible and everything's fake (laughs) and they wrote history the way. It's all the Jesuits, really at the heart of all of the the Tartarian stuff. All the Jesuits. (laughs) <laughs> and what's interesting is I would actually love to do some conspiracy stuff on the Jesuit order. There's some weird stuff there, like them assassinating popes and all huh. kinds of all kinds of okay. weird stuff. Uh, so we've never really gotten into it on this show. Uh, I, I'm not of the belief that they're, they're the good guys. But why I say this is interesting is because the preterist view act, the preterist view came primarily from the Jesuit Luis de Alcazar. And at the time of the Counter-Reformation, he wrote this prominent preterist exposition of prophecy. And there's this guy named Kenneth Newport who wrote this commentary on it in 2000. And he described preterism as a Christian, as a Catholic defense against the Protestant historicist view, which identified the Roman Catholic church as the persecuting apostasy. So in this view, well, I'll just explain that the great apostasy is a concept in eschatology that uh, the Christian that basically uh, mainstream Christian churches have fallen away from the original faith that was founded by Jesus and promulgated through the apostles. They've adopted things like sun discs. They've adopted things like Greek gods in their temples. Mm. They took over the pantheon and buried uh, people, you know, turned turned saints into gods and, and things like that. And it's kind of this idea that like the reason the Protestants left the church was all these things, all these times where they're getting away from, from the original mm-hmm. message of the early church in Acts and what Jesus and the apostles preached. And because of that, you've got verses in Revelation that talk about the city on seven hills with the the scarlet and the purple. And people would say that the city on seven hills is Rome. And this is speaking about the Catholics and things like that. So like the the point I'm making is the preterist view was a direct response to the Protestant Reformation. Uh, It was a counter-Reformation kind of propaganda piece a little bit. I'm not saying it couldn't Mm -hmm. be true. I'm just saying it breaks from the Tartarian thing. And I find it interesting that there's, it's not really historically a Protestant view on eschatology. Okay. So just pointing that out. Am I losing you on any of this? It's, it's a lot. I'm like, I know <laughs> I apologize guys. I'm trying to get to the interesting Tartarian tech stuff, but I have well, so much well, in this episode. It's I'm hard. spewing it's, a lot. It's hard because the, the theological thing by itself is hard. And yes. then trying to figure out how, Christian believers in Tartaria are trying to cram this thing that I already don't believe into another thing that I don't believe. And so like there's, there's, there's the stuff that doesn't to me line up theologically. And then there's the stuff that doesn't line up about Tartaria. And then there's a the stuff that doesn't line up between just the two myths that I don't believe. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot. (laughs) It is, it is a lot, but nothing fits together, right? It would be one thing if Tartaria and preterism fit really well together, but they don't, you have to do an awful lot of work on Tartaria to make preterism fit. It does seem like, yeah, for sure. They're taking the things that the the Tartarian researchers have have gotten into and saying, this fits my thing. And I'll kind of pick and choose from a buffet of like, and which might not all be bad. Like if there's certain proofs and the, my belief on the Tartarian thing generally is that they just co-opt everything else. So there's a little bit of that. Um, where sure. some of this are just co-opting from the preterists anyway. So it might be kind of a different order of operations. Okay. 
in that way. Not all of it. We're, I, and I do want to talk about the, the other way around. So like the, the seed that of might the be idea, the seed of the Tartarian. Interesting. Okay. I think. And, and preterism was the, the originator of it was Catholic. It was the Jesuit order. Yes. The Jesuit order. Okay. Yeah. So the Jesuits come up with this idea as a counter narrative <laughs> to the Protestant reformation. Yes. In order to explain away symbols and, and all kinds of things, you know, okay. stuff like that. And in fact, this is actually where the Tartarian theorists go with this. Okay. And I want to play a video for you. Basically, again, the idea being the Catholic Church had wandered away from, from the original teaching, and that's why the Protestant Reformation happened. And then there's this counter, like, actually, the kingdom already happened, and everything in it was good and grand and wonderful, and you're wrong, and this is the season of Satan, and that's why it looks bad. And actually, that is exactly where the Tartarian uh, theory goes to. And I'll just I'll just show you a clip of this to, to kind of prove it. So this, again, comes from the timeline deception. This is part two. You will see that the millennial kingdom is rife with symbolism that you may find off-putting. However, I have begun to re-examine these things and be open-minded to the idea that they meant something else entirely or that the characters may not be guilty of their crimes. During the time that we live in, or the little season, Many of God's holy symbols and institutions have been usurped by the enemy, and thus their reputations have been sullied. I have begun to make the distinction that they had a different meaning within God's kingdom, and now have the opposite connotation within the little season. So all the Freemasonic symbol, symbols, all, good, the, uh, Lastly, all the Greek gods are One of the biggest questions actually, yeah. that you may have is why are the so-called Greek gods omnipresent throughout a Christian empire? I have some theories on how they fit in, and I'm looking forward. Yeah, so the Pisces fish hats, the the lizard people stuff, the Freemasonic stuff, the angels having sex with women in sculptures, in churches stuff is good, actually. It actually had a great connotation, and it's Satan's little season that's flipped all of that stuff, which is, again, why I have a real hard time with this one. You have to you really have to believe something that's contrary to like almost everything. That, that is, that has been my problem with Tartaria from the beginning is like everything that we talk about in conspiracy stuff that we have all these proofs for that. We have all these Freemasons, for instance, talking about and giving us like examples of just how depraved and evil this stuff is, is all flipped on its head because it right. has to fit this. It has to fit this narrative. This is like the Supreme narrative right now. This is, this is something that I have a problem with is that I think people, forget how lies function and go looking for a really massive lie where you have to do an absolute ton of work to like flip the lie around when in reality lies are usually pretty subtle and you and small and and you say oh that was a, that was a lie um the pyramids are older than we thought or it, and and then you it's just a little shift and mm-hmm. then you it opens up a lot of doors in your thinking, but I don't think in general we have to do this much work to be like, we can't trust anything. <clears throat> we can't trust any record of any human that came before us. Every, you know, at some it's, point, it, everything becomes a lie. It's not just a complete 180. It's also just internally inconsistent, which I've been pointing out in now going on into three episodes on this, just the yeah. internal inconsistencies of this whole thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. For something that's, for something that's trying, purporting to seek out the truth, it is 
chaotic to its core. I think that's on, I think that's on purpose. And we're going right. to come back to that idea of chaos being at the center of this uh, mm. when we get into the tech stuff. But yeah, hundred percent. So uh, to wrap up this, this theory, just a few little things left because I want to get into the tech stuff and then wrap and bring it back around to this. So okay. uh, what they say essentially is that there, if Jesus reigned on the earth for a thousand years, he would have been king of the, of the earth. And uh, sorry, I'm skip a few of these slides and get to it. They name these kings, right? They name all these kings that uh, were altered in our fake history, that they were all actually Jesus. Hugh, I don't know how to pronounce half of these, but like Hugh Capet, the king of the Franks, uh, Louis VII, king of the Franks, um, Stephen I, which is also a saint, which kind of cuts against the narrative maybe, first king of Hungary, uh, Ferdinand II, king of Lyon, Henry III. So they're basically creating this timeline where all these people are Jesus under different names in different regions, governing hmm. different people, but really it's the one millennial reign uh, of Jesus Christ. It's kind of okay. the kind of thought, Casimir the third. Um, so instead of completely erasing him, <clears throat> the false history distorted him, renames him. It, yes, it renames him. So, but which, what, <sighs> what are all the other kings and queens then? If Jesus is reigning, they, they would be just like never exist. Yeah, this is where it get, this is where it gets a little weird, right? Because the one video we just watched a second ago was like, well, there were still wars and it was, wasn't super peaceful, mm. but also everybody alive was in their eternal bodies. I don't, it's a little inconsistent, right? And again, this might just be because, and I'm not just knocking down the Praetor's view entirely. This might just be because people are really trying to fit their view into a Tartarian theory, right? Uh, but then again, I feel like in both of them, you have to explain a lot, a lot, a lot of fake history. Um, right. Which, which would be in, in that view, the great deception, which is right. also, I find a little disingenuous because I've heard people say that in revelation, it talks about the great deception being about the second coming or sorry about the second resurrection after the millennial kingdom. And I couldn't uh -huh. find any references to that. Every re reference that I found about the great coming deception is like the antichrist and fooling oh. people into not following Jesus, right. like, like a different Jesus, like, Pleiadian space Jesus, right? Like mm -hmm. people will come and say they're me and they're not me. Like there's a lot of great deception talk. I just never found any references as they will say pretty openly that says it's specifically about the post millennial kingdom. Gotcha. So, okay. and if I'm wrong, you know, feel free to let me know in the discord or something like that. I, maybe I missed something, but I just didn't find it. So, um, this brings us to, to a few quick questions I want to wrap up on, on this part of the show. One of them is uh, who then are we in, the, in, this, mm -hmm. in this theory? Um, and uh, I want to play a video that got dropped in our Discord yesterday. This was Paul okay. Stobbs, who we're having on the show uh, soon, and he's just kind of spitballing this idea. And I, I want to say that because he said very clearly, he's like, I'm not saying I believe this. I'm just spitballing ideas on gotcha. like how this whole thing works, um, kind of talking about this, this end time or this little season. Uh, so wrong button. There we go. If it'll work, I'll have to refresh it. It's a problem with having so many um, tabs. Now, open. why? Now, in the timing of things, if we are living in again, this is so. This is so. Think of maybe perhaps Paul. Okay, we're living <laughs> in the end times, the real end times, which is the little season. Okay, and it explains there in this little season period in Revelations that those who have already risen again have reigned with Christ already for a thousand years okay and now he's gone somewhere 
with all those people who are now kind of like immortal like gods, I suppose, in a sense. And then for the last period, the devil will have a little season, but the people who live in his little season are those who died who had not been saved, who were already corrupt, who were already fallen. Which technically means, if you want to go down that way of thinking, we, who are living in this time now, are those souls resurrected. We are the fallen, corrupted, evil people, <laughs> you know, that died before Christ turned up, basically. Um, now, So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. This is actually where a lot of the stuff goes, and I find the thought interesting. I just want to know what your, your thought was on it. I just think we need to take a moment and acknowledge Annie's comment here. No, we don't. No, we don't, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> you really, you really switched scenes so that the comment would go away. Um, uh, you can't, you can't do this. Yeah. The gingers are multiplying. <laughs> Listen, man, gingers have souls. Okay. <laughs> okay. You don't know how a soul who done. You don't know. You're not God. <sighs> You're not God. <laughs> Uh, Nobody, I love there will be people who do not get that reference and think I'm going off I mean, my yeah. rocker. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite videos. Uh, just that souls, man. You know, that South Park like imitated that guy. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my word. Because it was such a thing on the Internet at the time. No. So, OK. So what Paul is saying, because I have never understood this of like if people are reigning with Christ, what mm -hmm. is Satan even doing when he gets out for that little season? I've never Right. It, it, it seems like and people in, in the preacher's view, and I'm not going to go into all of it, but like in the preacher's view, this idea that Christ preached to the people in, mm -hmm. in, in hell for three days and was preaching those lost souls. So that way, when they came back, these are, again, people who would have died before Jesus, before they're having a chance at that resurrection, mm -hmm. will get to come back to earth and have have a chance to accept him while okay. Satan, again, is, is tempting them and lying to them and things like that. So that is the kind of astrological belief about mm -hmm. Satan's little season. Um, and it's, okay. it lines up with the preacher's view. And I, I find it at least interesting and whether or not you're a preacher or not, like you can still believe that that is what's going to happen. If you think we haven't even got to the first, right. whatever, right? Huh? I always thought, yeah. Okay. I thought it was like the children of the people, like it's like the people who knew the world before, but then Jesus came into his kingdom and they reign with him. But then the next generations don't have that memory of what it was like before. And that Jesus. could be it. That could be it. There's definitely a debate to be had here. I just find the okay. thought pretty interesting. I didn't even know there was like a another view of it. Even yeah, yeah. like regardless of when it is in time, I thought that was the okay. I cool. think it's interesting, and the reason this is important to bring up is because this is the orphan train theory in the Christian view. This is where all of those people came from. Oh, this is why. So instead of and again, I don't know why the, the Christians even try to throw in a mud flood with this because their belief doesn't require it, right? right? It would be that instead of a mud flood, these people were brought back and they're in these giant freaking cities and there's all okay. these kids who died as children whose parents maybe were saved or whatever. They're not sure. there. So you got like hundreds of thousands of orphans. You got people showing up these cities not knowing what to do, not understanding the technology that was left behind by this millennial king. That is the, the belief. Okay. Which okay. is why I don't understand why the mud flood needs to be a thing at all with these people considering there's really no proof for it. Right. Other it's than that buildings settle and people regrade streets and normal stuff. What it feels, hmm, it, it feels like, this. okay, I'm getting to a thought, I'm sorry. A lot of this today is like me trying to like pull this together into some kind of sense. I've been um, trying for a long time, so I get it, yeah. But Darwin came along, and we talked about how the, the World's Fairs were really about pushing Darwin and his his 
ideas. Um, and even before him, there was a geologist who was really pushing that the earth was old. Like there were a bunch of ideas that all kind of came into play around the same time, right? That the earth was right. very, very old, that it hadn't changed in a very, very long time, that evolution was how things had developed and, and in general, pushing away this need for a creator and saying, no, the, the science says that it's not what the Bible says. Like, and I think a lot of people for a long time, a lot of Christians for a long time, instead of saying, hey, let me do science too. And let <clears throat> me find scientific reasons, like poke scientific holes in your scientific theory. Christians, mm -hmm. I think, in large part were like, okay, the scientists can say whatever they want. I don't care. I'm not going to ask questions about the Bible. I'm not even going to like mm -hmm. have an intellectual conversation about this theory. And because Christians just kind of seeded that ground, the next generations were like, oh, all the scientists are saying this. And you get to the point where every kid is taught certain things in school. And then they try to shove those things into the Bible. When if from right, the beginning, exactly. somebody had just done good science, they would have said the science is bad. Actually. Yeah, because all the time now, if again, if you're reading the right people and we know how political politicized and money driven mm -hmm. science is all the time, we're finding proofs for the Bible over and over right. and over again, especially in archaeology. Uh, I mean, my, my favorite example is like all the laws that were given to the, to the Jews in Leviticus. Right. They don't make any sense without science. Right. And it's like, oh, all of these laws that seem weird and arbitrary actually made those people survive 40 years in the desert. Right. That's, so, yeah. So there's this tendency of when you can't when there's when there's something that conflicts with the Bible and you can't explain it away and you're you don't do the due diligence to like work on it and and recognize why it's wrong that you kind of shove your faith into this thing that doesn't fit or shove this thing that doesn't fit into your faith and mm -hmm. you do damage to your faith is the thing that breaks most and it feels like what's happened here is that people have completely believed Tartaria and then tried to shove it into their faith. Right. And in this case, it does. Well, harm in, in to another both. way, it's even, it, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both though. If you think about it this way, it's, right. it's people. Okay. So the Tartarians co-opted the preterist view, right? They added their stuff in and gave it back. It, it is, I feel like there's a, like a little bit of yeast in a batch kind of uh, thing in, right. in the Bible about this, but it does seem a little weird. If you already had a coherent worldview, like I could understand if people are explaining things that you didn't think of, there right. is a lot of this that feels a lot worse than that. For sure, where it's not just, oh, this this idea makes sense from right. my view. It's a little bit more like I need it to I need them to be merged. And this is actually my beef with a lot of these people who are talking about it. I've listened to people who, again, from a preterist worldview, it sounds very sound and understandable. But like they feel the need to throw in things like Anatoly Fomenko and they feel the need to throw in all of this stuff that just doesn't, you know, doesn't right. really make the, the mud flood. Again, there's no reason for a mud flood. Right. In, in this theory. Sometimes you should just believe what you believe. Yeah. And if something contradicts it, do, do the work to, you know, you don't, you don't have to just say, well, I believe the Bible, so I'm not even going to think about this other thing. But sometimes you got to not just believe everything. That's a lot of that. like, <laughs> that's, not, that's I, my problem with Tartaria again. It's like the need to believe everything. There is right. a problem in conspiracy theory stuff. Yes. Where there is a, a, a badge system, an honor, uh, yeah, like a badge system of like, I believe more theories than you. 
instead of yes. I believe the correct theories or my theories make I sense or I believe the theories. truth, it's yeah. that I believe more than you do. And it's a very religious, religious. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like a lot of people have the wisdom to say, I'm not going to believe everything mainstream media tells me. Mm -hmm. And then they turn around and believe everything conspiracy theorist podcast. Tell them. Tell them. Yes. Every single theory. And I think and that for like a, a lot of people, there's that feeling of a new conspiracy theory. It's addicting. It's like the addiction people get when they you know just keep getting tattoos or like eat, the feeling is so good that some <sighs> people just don't stop. Right? Yeah. Jack and says uh, qua quantity, quantity over, over quality. Or quality. Yeah. Whatever way. We want quality over quantity, but people right. are at, seeking out quantity over quality for sure. It's well, it seems like a lot of people, they, they've believed everything and then they're like, okay, there's nothing, there's no new theory for me to enjoy that feeling of like a new there's theory. There's always a new theory, guys. Come on. <laughs> but, no, I know. I know but what you mean. Like I have to get into flattery mm -hmm. because there's n nothing. I have to get into Tartaria because there's nothing else. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That, no, I think like I think I think you're right. So the, the last question before we move to on, on to Antiquitech is where did these people go? Because some people say they were just taken to heaven, but that's not really it doesn't actually say that that's where they're going to go um, with the new, you know, before the new heaven and new earth. Uh, so there's all these theories. And look, I'm just going to show you guys one video because Kelsey has has begged us to cover this one. And I think it's I think it's interesting, not for this as much, but for a future episode. Uh, but it came up a few times, not just from Kelsey in our discord, but on the exploring Tartaria video and a few other videos that these people actually went to the North pole. So I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this one for you um, because well, I'll explain why. Okay. We have all been programmed to believe that there is no land at the North pole, just a bunch of ice sheets, nothing to see here. What if I told you that this is far from the truth? Not only is the North Pole home to the most exceedingly high mountain in the world, Mount Zion, the mountain of God, which what? is spoken about all throughout the Bible, it is also home to paradise, the Garden of Eden, which is still here to this day. Now prepare for a big awakening. This is one of the first ever maps created of the North Pole in the 1500s. Now I want you to focus on the middle here. You have a mountain with a river coming out of it, and then you have four rivers coming out of that river in the middle. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. So you have the river flowing out of Eden, which is directly under Mount Zion, and you have the four rivers parting from that one big river. Uh -huh. A lot of people think that God took the Garden of Eden to heaven, but why would he be guarding it with cherubims and a flaming sword if it was in heaven? I mean, I'm now with back him to on the that. Map, that mountain yeah. in the middle, <laughs> it is called the Rupus Nigra. It's straight from Wikipedia. Rupus oh, Niger means <laughs> black rock. Rupus Niger is a black rock magnetic mountain located at the North Pole. <laughs> Funny how the biggest investment company in the world man. is black rock. They know the truth. Not black to mention rock. Rupus Niger is 33 rock. French miles wide. Remember who loves the number 33? The Freemasons. So soon after this map came out, the map started looking like this. Unknown region. What is that? Here's your NASA satellite footage. Just a couple of big black holes in the center. I mean, that's a fair point. Fair oh, point. He does have some fair points and I'm not going to play the whole thing, but the idea is that the North Pole is the Garden of Eden. And actually, he the well, we could play the rest if you want. It gets more convincing as the video goes on. But let's I just it. wanted to bring. Yeah, let's, let, do, well, let's do that. The tiny Nothing to tiny. see here. 
So here I am in Psalm 48. Look what it says here. The city of our God and the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, because it's in the center of the earth, on the sides of the north. So this mountain is the joy of the whole earth, and it is in the north. Look what it says here, beautiful for situation. The beautiful for situation, the biblical usage is the elevation, the height. This is an exceedingly high mountain. It's not the Mount Zion, which is in Jerusalem, which is only 2,500 feet high. That's a foothill. That mountain was named after the real Mount Zion. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Where did he take him? Took him to the exceedingly high mountain in the middle of our earth, in the North Pole. Now here's even more I have a question. This is yeah, yeah, a question. Okay. If the the physical description of Eden is, is pretty pretty clear. Mm-hmm. If if the rivers are described in the Bible and on the map, mm-hmm. why wouldn't the mountain that is very central to this landscape not also be in Genesis? Right. And again, it's just a theory. And I, I brought it up because I just want to say, I think it would be very fun in the future to do a, what happened to Garden of Eden. Like there's a lot of theories around I, it. I and love I think that it'd be a conversation because I definitely think it's still around. So, but this, Check again, I, I also gun, brought you guys, it is right. But like, this is a theory that I saw keep cropping up that they were, it was either the South pole or the North pole is kind of the idea. So yeah, we also the know the are sus. Well, I mean, Antarctica is like, there's a lot of weirdness around that. We right. haven't even covered that on a full episode yet. So hmm. um, some future stuff to look forward to us from us guys, uh, Jesuits, North Pole, South Pole stuff, all that stuff. Um, but anyway, I just want to bring that up just just for that. So the nice. last, <laughs> before we move on to Antiquitech, I just want to give a quick shout out to North Arrow Coffee. If you guys go over to northarrowcoffee.co, you can get some Peruvian blend, Honduras, all these wonderful single uh why did I forget the word single origin roast to order coffees that you can use code conspiracy 10 to get 10% off and 15% of every sale goes to pro-life causes. So if you guys want to support a really good, uh, a really good coffee brand and also help save babies, you guys can go over to North and get yourselves. So let's talk about Antiquitech. So the first thing I want to do is just get a few things out of the way that people have sent me that gets talked about a lot because I feel like it's just kind of BS. I'm just going to kind of put that to rest and talk about the actual actual cool stuff. Cool stuff. Got it. Because again, it just it gets talked about and I'm like, eh, this is such an easy thing to debunk. So we'll just do that okay. really quick. You don't need no- so the first one is well, moving sidewalks in 1900. Little- you ever been okay. to an airport? Like, how's this Tartarian tech? Yes. It's like- not even that cool. It's not it's just a big treadmill that hard to it's not even do. difficult in any way. If you look at the stuff that was done at the World's Fair, the moving sidewalks, right. a.k.a. the sh- things you see at an airport, really not that impressive. Right. I think <laughs> it's just one of those like they introduced them and then it wasn't super efficient or or what is the word? Like Caught, it didn't wasn't catch on reasonable to have them everywhere. So they. Someone was just ahead of, of their time, right? They just didn't use. know who to market it to because they didn't have airports yet. <laughs> they didn't have airports yet because airports are pretty much the only place you see them. We're <clears throat> like really long buildings. Yeah. yeah, nobody wanted them in their city. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they also talk about Zeppelins a lot as if this is like Tesla tech, steampunk type stuff. Tartarian Empire technologies. And look, like dirigibles, Zeppelins, 
they're all really cool, but they have a they have a really detailed history going back to the 1700s, and they started putting propellers right. on hot air balloons. Uh, and then it was like, why did we get rid of this? They're full of helium. Right. They're also not steampunk because they're diesel. They could not work on steam. They work off diesel engines that right. compress. So like you can again, I did I did way too much research on Zeppelins just to say this is stupid. I don't. I don't feel like the need to right. spend they, an hour they fell about out of They fell out of use because they ended up being less safe and efficient than the alternative, which was airplanes. And they're still used all the time. Like, I don't understand how this is tartarian yeah, tech. Like if, if the idea is that it's covered up, and that it's old, lost technology, they still use these things all the time. The, in in World War II, they weren't super effective at bombing raids because people saw them coming for a long time. And they, again, were easy to shoot down because they, like, exploded and stuff really easily. So, anyway. You can be on top of the world and then in a blink of an eye. Nice. Yeah, uh, I don't know how that gets thrown into Tartar is my point. Yeah. Uh, this flying train in Germany, which is, again, on the video says 1902. Again, how's this, po- how's this cover-up if it's post-Tartarian cover-up? Right. Like that's the thing that like, I never get. It's an idea that was used. It Also, this was made between the years 1897 and 1903 and it's still in operation today. So I'm right. again, I'm not I'm not getting the how this is Tartaria. It's just like every invention that you don't see a lot of right. or is neat or, or ahead of its time, it's Tartaria now. And like this is why like the Antiquitech stuff, I don't want to bog it down with dumb crap right. like this. Which is so much of Tartaria seems to just be this discomfort with knowing that we had some really cool technologies that we yeah. didn't progress on that in a lot of ways were a falling civilization. And I think that that all of the Tartarian theory exists to explain away that like really uncomfortable fact. Yeah. And, and 90% of these videos are wow. Look <laughs> at that. Wow. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's just like some things don't didn't work some things were too expensive actually that's the most of it right sales there's like they tried it but it wasn't it wasn't and none of these things are covered up like that's what keeps driving me nuts like is it a cover-up or is it just like you just have well-documented history we'll just go on the internet also super well-documented technology that all conveniently in this case every single thing in this video after the cover-up type thing if they're covering it up but they're still using it pretty well right like, uh, this, next, one. this next one, we actually talked about these, but didn't show the video of them on our uh, Nazi UFO episode. Oh, yeah. These uh, anti-gravity vehicles, they're called. <laughs> this was made in the late 1940s. There's yeah. some interesting stuff here, considering it came after Victor Schauberger's inventions and things sure. like that, that make me go, this would be interesting to talk about. I don't understand how something made post-World War II that is essentially just a dude strapped to a giant fan. <laughs> It's Tartaria tech. Hidden, hidden Tartarian tech. Yeah, so I get it. They took this from us. <laughs> I showed that just to be like, just to show you like, this is some of the dumb things that get thrown in sure. there. But what's interesting, at least on first night, actually this whole story is really interesting, is the fireplace stuff. Okay, um, yes. It's interesting. Oh, I'm so glad we're getting into this. Okay. It's interesting because it's interesting and it's also interesting because it's so easy to figure out what this is. Okay. And everybody's, everybody's lying. Everybody's lying. Everybody's lying to you. I'm excited because this is like one that <clears throat> I saw of a Tartarian video on and I was like, oh, wow, yeah. I don't have an answer for that. I also picked your favorite TikTok. Oh, this, this is literally the video I saw. <laughs> it had fireplaces in every room except the bathroom. The realtor told me that the fireplace cannot be used because it wasn't built properly. 
I thought it was strange. The Tartarian fireplaces did not burn. Tartarian. Fireplaces were as spectacular as the buildings they stood in. But unlike the way we use fireplaces today, the fireplaces themselves were not designed to burn anything. The chimneys were not used to draw smoke out of the fireplace and nope. out of the house's they structure were not used primarily to provide any structural support. The reinforcement in the house was connected to the dome of the tower on the roof, which was quite possibly filled with various substances such as mercury, radium, or quartz crystal, and metal. Okay, so he even, I shouldn't say he's lying because he says it right there, but it's a lie in a way. Okay. It's a lie in a way. He says, these things might have been filled with radium. And they're like, what are these things? What what possibly are these things? But like, it's not even hard to figure this out. They're just radium heaters. Like there's advertisements for radium oh, like cooking. Another radium well-documented heaters. thing. Yeah. Marie, Marie Curie found radium in the late 1800s and they started using it in everything. Toothpaste, food, Oh, all, no. all, the, all this stuff. Oh, no. All this stuff, right? And, you know, they use it on watches for glow-in-the-dark stuff. Cooking. Oh, no. For people that don't know, radium is <laughs> radioactive. radioactive. It's a radioactive isotope. And they found this one. Hey, this heats things up pretty well. Here's a here's a <gasps> carriage heater from the late 1800s. Oh, my God. Or the early 1900s where you would sit on basically like that green glowing bar from they the Simpsons. They took this from us. They took we, this from us. We could be getting cancer at even higher rates. And here's what's funny. There's even a, like, this is what's weird to me is like, there is an isn't to cover up around this. Okay. Right. When I did my research, I couldn't find any advertisements for the fireplaces themselves. Okay. Except for this one, which shows the, the kind of bell like device in there. And you can see right. a lot of people making this connection. In fact, I'll get back to that one in a second. But they've made this connection, again, on StolenHistory.org. This is where we get the word radiator from. Because we used to heat yeah. homes with radium that would heat up the metal and heat the home. Uh, and in fact, it's even where we get the whole, um, where's a picture of it? The symbol for like radioactive uh, oh. in, in these, I don't have the picture here, but these vents that would give you that radioactive symbol thing. Okay, yeah. Here's where this gets interesting. Holy crap. Here's where this gets interesting because there is a little bit of a cover-up considering I feel like it's odd that the Wikipedia and other things don't talk about how the people literally heated their homes with it, even though there's tons of proof for that. Right. As in maybe they don't want people to know that these old mansions that are worth a lot of money are probably are radioactive. radioactive as fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think there's a cover-up there. Big, um, big real estate is... Uh, is editing those Wikipedia I, I think they are, dude. I think they are. <laughs> but this is what you get to at the bottom of this. So like, hey, we found out what those heaters were. They're, they're radium, the radium heaters. Yeah. Uh, they say, anyway, I think there's a high probability that none of these stoves and fireplaces were originally designed to be van, uh, vandalized by the burning of wood or coal. They're too beautiful, and in my opinion, complement the beauty which they were meant to be in. Maybe this is why we would not see any of these heating arrangements in the older buildings. I doubt that radium is the same name the ancients would have used. <laughs> that it is ever used any radioactive su substance, but if they did, I doubt we would be allowed to know the name. As far as Marie and Pierre Curie go, I think they were in the same boat with Tesla, Mendeleev, and many others. I think due to being talented chemists, they were given some books containing the above-mentioned tech, and they were supposed to bring it back as they did. So it couldn't be that there's a very obvious explanation that people use radium right. until they realized it was radioactive AF. And right. they were losing their hair. <laughs> Instead, there's these threads where like the Tartarians are probably bald because they heated their homes with radio. 
I'm not kidding, dude. It's like <sighs> what? I'm not making that up. Bald yeah. giants who leave yeah. their homes and their friends, food. family. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to play that video already. But there's oh, another video I almost forgot to pull up where there's even a better explanation for this. It's oh, like you, you find an interesting thing in history. You find yeah. an is- interesting question, and because you already decide what the answer is, then when you find the answer, you just have to like. And that's the thing. They all know that it's radium, but they're still putting these things out saying this is and we're going to get into ether attack and all of that stuff. Right. I'm not saying this stuff doesn't exist. I'm saying it's not this and it's pretty clearly not not Tartarian. It's if you actually look at history and you care about history, it's all here. It's also again post it's post cover up history. But again, it's Marie Curie was given old books that showed her how to go to Russia and mine for uranium or some shit. She couldn't have just discovered it. Can't, can't <laughs> give that to a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Exist. Right, check this but out. This is also to hide radium and to hide the fact that uh, radium is available and can heat all the homes and heat everywhere we want because it can tap into the ether and, and uh, create uh, uh, free energy, free heat. And as far as the mercury goes, this is from my book, um, about California mercury contamination because they were harvesting mercury for this free energy in California. And you can see the mercury is still contaminating many of Bring the areas. Bring back the free energy that kills us. Yeah, just um, but yeah, mercury was very important for their uh, development in the quicksilver. And then south of San Jose, they had a huge quicksilver. 1845, they had a huge quicksilver mine. And they actually, the island... when Cal- you know, I think I passed it. I think I passed. Let me go back a little bit. Yeah, hold on one second. Well, is Ra. What is Ra? That's Apollo, the male god, Ra, and it's radium, natural occurring radioactive metal, uh, radionuclide formed of the decay of uranium and thorium in the environment. Now, remember uranium-235? That was <laughs> that was what they were using in the nuclear bombs and stuff, they allegedly said, but we know that's not true <laughs> because the nuclear bombs <laughs> don't exist. But this is also to hide radium. And to hide the fact that uh, wow. radium is available. And yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> when they found radium, it's still a cover up because radium is good and we should heat our homes with it again. <laughs> it's not that it's radioactive. Right. So it's, it's it's like bring back. So now now nuclear bombs have to be fake and, and everything else. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you, 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 you start to pull on a thread like that and then everything is a lie. Which makes me wonder why the Tartarians who want free energy so damn bad aren't pushing for nuclear. Right. Nuclear doesn't exist. <laughs> no, but they, they believe you can use. Right. If they, if they don't think radioactive stuff is a harm to your body, if that's the whole thing. Yeah, I don't but know. I it's think a feature of a theory like this is it's never actually helpful. It never has an actual good application in the real world. It's just this thing to spin yeah. your mind in forever. Yeah, 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 for sure. Also, he mentioned that the fireplaces and the the... Mm-hmm chimneys and stuff like that. These are obviously radium heaters. The chimneys were not part of that because what the chimneys were is something that's not even that old of technology, something my grandparents, mm-hmm. I think, still maybe use and definitely used to use, mm-hmm. which is they would have their chimney run into the basement and in the hot summer months, they would open the flue and it would bring heat, a cold air up from underground. It's a really common thing. Oh. It's not even like, it's just basic, like, let's bring air up from underground where it's cold. Uh, okay, in the summer. yeah. It also is why they had big doorways and things like that. Like all this stuff about giants. I get it. It's interesting. But like there's all of these things that old architecture had to do to heat and cool homes. 
Mm. That's not even that hidden. It's really easy to find and understand and how it works. It's just a memory problem. And in fact, these things are still done like that because these buildings still exist. They right. still have, are built for cross drafts in the, in the hot air to bring cold air up through the, the flu. Mm. They don't use radium anymore, but <laughs> that's because yeah, they're keeping it from us. It's those lost technologies where we get a better yeah. technology like AC and we lose our memory of like what we did before. Yeah, like and when I was a kid, it, we don't recognize it, especially when my dad was a kid. They would take like wet blankets and put them in front of fans in the window and things right. like that. Like we don't do that anymore because we have AC, right? Like, but right. it's just stuff people would do. Um, it's not even I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> I like this comment from from Jax. Ancient Tartarian tech equals weird gimmicks my grandma had in her house. Thank you. Okay, but like, it's so, true. yes. Hey, does anybody else have grandparents whose house you're like, you look around, you're like, you see things that you're like, what the hell is that? And it's it would be considered Tartarian at this point. My grandfather built his home that he still lives in in 1950. And in his home, he's got things I've never seen anywhere else. And you could call it Tartarian tech, except that I know he built it in 1950. One right. of them is there's these round outlets on the wall. Um, and I don't, I didn't know what these were as a kid. Apparently they're vacuums and you would stick a hose into the round outlet in the wall and vacuum and it would go down into a trash bin in the basement, which is Amazing. awesome. That's it's super so cool. cool. I mean, even laundry shoots and stuff like that. You don't see in yeah. houses anymore. It's yeah. just you know, dummy waiters or dumb waiters. Dumb, or whatever. Bring back dumb waiters. Bring back dumb waiters. We had a laundry shoot when I was a kid and I was too big of a chicken to slide down Aww. it because I'm like, I'm going to break my legs, oh. but I wanted to. <laughs> so it's the thought that counts. <laughs> so here's the other thing that gets me a little bit. They're always talking about free energy, but they're not really talking about like they had toasters and microwaves and, and things right. like that. Right. So like sure they were for heaters, right? I guess is, is one of the arguments and maybe for other hidden technology, but like what, what else, what were they, what was the energy stuff really about? Cause I think some people miss this. I think the people okay. who are really into the theory know what they're talking about. Sure. But they say in a way where he's like, yeah, free electricity. I can charge my iPhone. But it's like they didn't have that stuff. So what is the energy that they're talking about? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's energy for organic matter. It's healing energy and it's plant life energy. And the, there's this thing that they'll talk about called um, electric electroculture, which sounds cool and Tartarian and stuff like that. But it's not mm -hmm. at all because it's neither lost nor hidden in any way. Uh, it was a technique that was first presented in 1749 by Abel Nolet. Okay. And there are tons and tons of research papers and things like that. In fact, you can just go online and just read about this thing. And people do this all the time, which is essentially you're gathering electric particles, you know, from the air and putting them in your garden and magnetizing your plants. And this is a thing that's supposedly lost Tartarian technology, except that it's neither lost nor uh, really, really debated on. Hold on, let me just show this on screen. So, how does electroculture agriculture work? Uh, atmospheric antennas made from materials such as wood, and this is not this is not from a Tartarian website. It's just yeah, like real just... things that people talk about, and it's debated. Some people think it works, some people doesn't. There's a lot of science that shows it does. Uh, but atmospheric antennas made from materials such as wood, copper, zinc, and brass are placed in the soil to create an ether antenna. This antenna picks up the frequencies all around that help increase the magnetism and the sap, the blood of the plant. The antenna harvests the energy of the earth through the series of vibrations and frequencies such as rain, wind, and temperature fluctuations. These antennas lead to stronger plants, more moisture for the soil, and reduced pest infestations. And I know tons of people that swear by this, where they either will put a copper wire in their ground, or sometimes they'll put a live copper wire, I think, but it's grounded into, into the soil, and they swear by the fact that this works on their plants. Again, it's 
hard for me to believe this is part of a cover up when it's just something people have always done. Some right. people like it. Some people don't. Some people believe it's pseudoscience. Other people swear by it. Right. It seems like the evidence is there that it works and there's whole papers on why it works and you could debate it, but it's real covered I, up. It's not super covered up, but there is parts of this that are, and that's what okay. I want to get into next. So I want to talk about the, the cathedrals. So again, electric culture gets thrown in there. I actually think this explains why a lot of the old houses had antennas on it with copper right. wire going down to the ground, right where their gardens are. I think it's just, oh. I think it's just electric culture. Gotcha. Um, but whatever, we'll get into that. So, cathedrals is is the next one. And there's this idea that gets talked about a lot of the cymatic healing energy. Cy- Are you familiar? Yeah. Are you familiar healing with cymatic healing energy? Energy. I've heard it in the context of some of the TikToks I've seen on Tartaria, but I don't really know. Pretty much everything else in this episode, not everything, but pretty much for the next minute, we're just going to be talking about good vibes and like crystals vibes, and hippie, hippie stuff. Okay, let's, let's do it. Dog, gosh dang it. Get out of here. Um, as soon as she figured out how to open that door, I can't podcast yeah, while it was, I'm coming in here. <laughs> you got to get a bungee cord or something. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, cymatics. It's, it's resonance healing is, is what it is. And there's okay. actually a lot of papers on this. Again, you can believe it's pseudoscience or not. That's not really up for me, but it's not really hidden technology, I don't think. Or if it is, right. if it was, it's not so much anymore. And I think that's maybe a debate worth having. If it's having. hidden, it was, you could just say, big, yeah, big pharma don't, don't like that. Well, okay, yeah, I was going to get into this later, but like, let's let's look at the the history here for a second because right. there's two things that I think are very important to understand when we talk about hidden and by who and why, and that actually matters right. in the in the context, right? Uh, Edwin Drake completed the first drilled oil well in nineteen in eighteen fifty nine. Okay, and the first pharmaceutical company was established in eighteen eighty five. Okay, so at the exact same time, we're being told mm. there's this grand Tartarian cover up. There's also big oil and big pharma. Hmm. So I'm not actually, I think the rest of what I'm going to be talking about for the most part is stuff I think is real technology. It might be hidden. I just don't think it's Tartarian. Right. Just to be straight up front. Like I think cymatic energy has a lot of proof and science and stuff like that. We'll be talking about cathodes and all kinds of things and and what they did with the cathedrals. But it's just it to me, it just reads like big oil and big pharma. So here is uh, um, a work called uh, Cauldron. They did this in a church and they tested basically these resonant frequencies that came from the organ in the choir and, and kind of what it did as far as looking like healing energy. And I'll just kind of play this in the background a little bit. You can see these cymatic shapes that come from the vibrations. Right. And in this article from subtle.energy, it says scientific research is verifying the cymatic healing power of sonic frequencies. Professor, oh, I've heard. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Professor Sung Chil Ji of Rutgers University conducted an experiment that concluded that red blood cells exposed to classical music had significantly improved lifespan in comparison with blood cells that sat in silence. Because our bodies are made of liquid and beautiful patterns made through the resonance of music sound create healing patterns within us, as evidenced by Tanya Harris' experiment. Not all sounds need to be audible simply by hearing even spaces or objects of noble resonance is enough to receive the amazing properties. So it's a little new agey sounding and you sure. know, vibrations and stuff like that, man. But like, it does seem like there is some real science here. Sure. And the fact that these old church organs and old choirs and things like that yeah. are doing this and that some of the patterns in these cathedrals look like these patterns that we're seeing coming from cymatic frequencies, basically. Sure. They can play an organ, put sand on a 
on a loose plate and it'll vibrate into the shapes that gotcha. some of these windows are like. Oh, so like showing that they knew <coughs> like, I mean, showing imagine. that they knew. Yeah. That, that there was healing power in music. That's, that's one of those things that's in a society that has low technology. That's an easy thing to discover when you have not much to work with, but you definitely have music and you can definitely notice that music does something and you can hone it. And, and also like, let's say that these people were just doing what they felt led to, to like in these right. churches, they felt led to do these things. They felt good around the music and the organ and things like right. that. They don't even have to have a scientific explanation that can always come later. Right. Like th- there is a legitimate argument that they didn't realize it. They just went to church and they felt the power of the organ and the music and they kept right. going back because it, it made them feel better. Yeah. And like this harmony feels even better and this one feels even better and it feels yeah, even yeah. better when we make a dome and, and all that. And it's also entirely possible that these people did know that some of these people did, yeah. know, did know this. This is lost, uh, hidden knowledge. I just sure. don't know if it, it, to me, it doesn't seem like it has to be Tartaria. Specific. It seems like one of those things that that <clears throat> potentially got lost mm-hmm. in the Protestant Reformation um, as, there, as you know, churches had all these resources and they could build a cathedral like that. And it's very possible <clears throat> that the Protestants who left didn't know to replicate it. It also is interesting to me because there was a huge fight in the 16th or 17th century mm. about introducing the piano into the church. This, oh. was, the, this was Satan's music. Oh. Kind of like how they talk about heavy metal and things like that. Now right. Satan's music. But there is, I'm starting to wonder more and more. Like when you look at the way that they change the Hertz uh, that your guitar is tuned to, that it, it oh. creates dissonance that it used to be like, well, I think it was like 133 Hertz. Now it's like 140. And they've shown the difference in the power in that and how it calms your mind and makes you feel better. That there is a, there is a concerted effort. Again, I think by big pharma and, and people in charge to make you feel ill, to make you hmm. not well. And not mentally well and not sound. So it, do, it does make me wonder, like when the old churches were arguing over organs or pianos, did they have a point? Was Did they mm. know the healing power of, of organs and things like that? Or did they just have a gut reaction to the piano? Right, like, well, yeah, that's right. I don't yeah. feel as good when this is played. It has to be the devil. Mm-hmm. Huh. And it could be that. And it could just be people being fuddy-duddies. And it could be a combination of all three. It really I could. I bet. Well, because yeah. that's, that's what so much of like the satanic panic was of people noticing something and but not, not putting their finger on it. Well, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and going off into a lot of ridiculous kind of t- side tangents, yeah. but they were the core of what they were trying to get to was right. Yeah. Hmm. That's fascinating. The other thing that people talk about besides organs and their healing power is bells. Hmm. Uh, so again, I found your favorite TikToker. Let's check this out. Oh, you Son of a bitch. I hate this guy. (laughs) What have you done? Now, I know a lot of you already know that bells was used for healing and meditation. But did you know that between 1939 and 1945, the Nazis went through the whole of Europe and confiscated over 175,000 bells? Wonder why. Oh, my diddy. Oh, Oh my diddy. And it's estimated over 150,000 bells was destroyed from air raids and bombings alone. So the mainstream narrative says 
the reason why they did this is because they needed more artillery and ammunition. Yep. So they melted down the bells and yep. used them as weapons. Yep. It's awesome. My grandparents were old enough to remember this. Again, like this yep. is what gets me is like I've talked to people who are older than myself who remember scrapping everything they could right. and buying government war not bonds just, and stuff. Not just bells, but like every single thing that could possibly be melted down into something useful. And look, Hitler was a demon possessed evil person. Like, is there right. a possibility that there was like a, a, a dual part of this? Yes. But he also leaves out the fact that America did the exact same thing. Right. That we melted down all of our bells at the same time for, right. for, for the same ammunition it's and funny planes how he gives, and tanks. He gives the, the reason that makes perfectly good sense. Yeah. But then he just dismisses it. And again, like I'd be willing to even say it could be a, a, a both and, but the idea like this whole idea that comes out of Tartaria is they, they did this huge cover up of the world's fair. They did all these cover ups. They did this, they rewrote history and then they needed to have a world war to blow up the rest of Tartarian tech. Yet we still have all of the cathedrals that the people are pointing to and all the evidences that people are pointing to, you know, you know what I mean? It's like they yeah. didn't do a good job. If there's a, if there's a cover up. Can I what ban I a person to. from chat when it's popped out like this? You we, sh I can try it. Yeah. Oh, Cause shoot. I don't, I don't see it. We need to get, we, um, for people who are in the discord, uh, and you're interested in being a mod for this channel, especially on rumble, reach out to us after the show. Yeah. So we could use some. We could. We could. Because I'm really bad at it. Yeah. Well, I sure. have all my chats are popped out, so I can highlight your chats. I think I got it. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Okay. But so, once, I, I, once it's popped out, I, it doesn't seem like I can do anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's probably true. Um. So when I think of bells, I also think about red mercury. You think about red mercury and think of bells. <laughs> That's not a connection I've made before, but oh, okay, PJ. Die Glocke, the Nazi death bell that we talked about. They said it was powered by red mercury. And a lot of red mercury talk comes up in the Tartarian free tech, uh, free energy stuff. Uh, and I'm just going to play you another, another quick TikTok because sometimes I find it easier with this theory to just let the, the theorists speak for themselves um, about cathodes, the ether, and red mercury, which is what we're going to be talking cathodes, about. Cathodes, the ether energy. Antenna, amplifier, resonating moderator. <clears throat> you can see they had lamps. Let's enjoy together the beauty of ether gathering technology of the whole world. Cathedrals are not what they want us to believe. Ether is a gift from God to mankind. Unlimited free, safe energy and harmony with nature. Okay, so right here, I'm just going to point it out. This is my problem. This is my problem. It's mm -hmm. not that I don't think some of this is true, and I'm going to get mm -hmm. into what I think is true. It's that every thread and every TikTok and every YouTube video and everything just w takes things for granted. And this is where a lot of my frustration came in is I wanted an indication that they were right. Mm -hmm. or, or, or proof or things like that. And I think they've got a point about the ether stuff and the cathode stuff maybe, and we're going to talk about it. But the red mercury thing, it's not that I don't think red mercury is possible. It exists. I think it relates back to Vril and things like that. It's been definitely, sh the mainstream media is definitely focused in on a, a certain part of 1985 Russia mm. where they talk about how it wasn't real, even though all of our top scientists said it was. Um, but they never found it. So they say it's not real. So you, it's really hard to like even search this stuff.
But my point is, in this context, they say these bells are full of mercury and the mercury does all of these things, and maybe it does. And then they say red mercury interchangeably, which I don't, I don't really fully understand the point of interchanging them, but it's all just a theory, and I just wish that there was a little bit more like, here's why I think this. And maybe they have a point, but it's just, there's just so many people that are just like, this was this thing. 100% mm-hmm. absolutely was. And we've seen this throughout all of Tartaria. This is the thing. Right. Where do you get this from? I don't know. But this is it. So like as hard as I, I, I had so many things to get to this episode and we've got more to get to yet that I just couldn't find anything interesting about Red Mercury other than a bunch of people saying it's Red Mercury in these bells. And that gathers the okay. aether energy. Just kind of everyone's saying it, but no one's backing it up. That's exactly what I came to. And if gotcha. anybody has something that does back it up, I'd be interested. I'm just saying I spent way too much time looking into this and had to just cut it and just look into other stuff. Um, Cause it just, it was just a lot of, this is the thing. Why is it the thing? Uh, but I did find a lot of interesting stuff on cathodes. Ex- so let's go over this one really quick. Um, are you familiar with the idea of like a cathode? I've heard it before. You'll have to remind me. Okay. Well, this, this cathode will, this rays, will like the old TV. No, it's situation? more like a cavity magnetron. Okay. Okay. All cavity magnetrons consist of a central heated circular metal chamber in which the current leaves and it's called a cathode. Look at that word. Cathode. Does it remind you of another word? I hate this. Cathedral. Cathedral. Like with everything else, they corrupt (laughs) the truth and hide things in plain sight. Can you pause it real quick? Yeah, yeah. Because he actually has like an interesting yeah. point, but I hate that intro. It's like cathode, Catholic. Yeah. Catheter. Catheter. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> when a word sounds similar and you're like, are these words related? You need to go look up the language of origin. Mm-hmm. If they're from two completely different languages, mm-hmm. it is a coincidence. There's only so many sounds in the English language and sometimes two roots from two different languages that are completely different are going to sound a little bit the same or have a similar spelling in English. with our language, which is a mixture of French and Old English so and Latin much. and everything. Yeah. yeah it, our language is such a, a conglomerate of like so much. Um, it's a Germanic language with so much heavy Romance language. So it's, it's like even different families of languages coming together. So mm-hmm. you can make an argument that words are related if you can say they both come from this Latin root, this same Latin root, you can do that kind of research. It's completely available to you. And it's legitimate if you can do that. Yes. But just saying these words sound the same is not, is not a convincing it. argument. Not it sure. at all. Yeah. The controllers removed most of the cathodes integral <laughs> to these cavity magnetrons. But there are some structures today in which you can see traces of the old cathodes still present. It emits powerful microwaves that can act as a source of free energy. If you break the symmetry or close the vacuum, it no longer functions. But can you see the resemblance? These structures were never intended to hold glass within them. The controllers added the stained glass to the rose windows to shut off the magnetron's function. All right, there's a few problems. I'm sure you've noticed them with this theory that bother me. 
first of all, the glass is generally a thing that like we couldn't have done glass like this. That's Tartarian glass. Right. So internally inconsistent. They're also like, as you'll see, I'll just mute it and play this in the background so you can look at these. You can see that they're like pieces of concrete and there's like tons of them all over the place, like little ones that they, 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 right. they're not spinning is my point. Like the whole point of a cathode is for the, to spin the thing. Right. So <clears throat> it's not that it doesn't look like a cathode or that they didn't probably, maybe they even based on a cathode. Maybe they had the technology to make cathodes. It's just that to believe that every one of these things inside the church is a cathode is a little stupid to me. Um, do you see like this, like these up here, like in the archways and stuff like that? Yeah. So I get the, the gravity magnetron thing that people are pointing out the, the similarity in shapes. Most people will call this like a Fleur de Lee, which has like a, a, to- a totally different connotation, which is back to Inanna worship and stuff like that, which I think is a much weirder and probably closer to the truth, Cro- closer uh, to under- the truth thing. understanding yeah. of this. Um, but one of the things that just gets brought up, like people just throw around aether, like this is aether, that's aether. They're all gathering from the aether. And I want to talk about aether uh, a little bit. Um, actually, no, I'll come back to aether in a second. There's one other thing I want to talk about. And this frustrates me because I couldn't find the video that I originally had saved. Mm-hmm. Ley lines gets brought up a lot. So a lot of the, the talk about the cathedrals is that they were built on ley lines. Uh, and they'll talk huh. about how that these cities, uh, these old cities looked like computer chips from above and they would point these things out. And that the cities were organized in the video that I can't find anymore, that the cities were organized like a Kabbalistic tree of life. Oh, God. Which is it. interesting, right? It's really it, interesting. It's definitely interesting. And I don't doubt that that's probably true. Uh, what I find interesting, too, is the reason these, these connect, why people talk about ley lines, and the Kabbalistic tree of life, is that they're constantly talking about ley lines as the chakras of the earth. But if you suggest, as again, as we showed on our 9-11 episode, we've talked about in the past that there is a strong connection between Gnosticism, not just a strong connection, a, a complete, these are the same picture, between Gnosticism, Freemasonic belief in Kabbalah, like mm-hmm. that is their belief system. Like what the knowledge that they're hiding and holding on to is the, is the Gnostic teachings and the Kabbalistic teachings. Like they have the same pillar structure. They have the, the tree of life thing. They have the same symbolism, the same numerology that the Freemasons are holding on to these ideas and propagating mm-hmm. these ideas and f- pretending that there's some pseudo Christian organization. But what's so frustrating is that if you talk about Freemasons in a theory that's about master Masons from the past, Right. They laugh at you. They're like, oh, Freemasons. You guys believe in you guys believe in that organization that exists and, and all the, has all these members all over the world right. that are like, in control of everything. Like, uh, you, do you believe in Freemasons? Come on. It's it's obviously cross Atlantic Asian giants, you weirdo. <laughs> but it just keeps lining Mason up giants. again and again and again. Right. <laughs> it's like they, they, like I watch all these videos. They're like, oh, these people think it's just Freemasons. You know, those guys who are holding all these secrets from Solomon's Temple onward about how to build these crazy structures and, and they up- make them look like the Kabbalistic tree of life and put all these weird symbols inside of churches yeah. and stuff. And yeah. weirdos. It's obviously, it's, <laughs> it's so obviously cross Atlantic Asian giants. It's so weird how, how Tartaria covers up so much important stuff. It's like, it's genuinely this ridiculous, mm-hmm. chaotic, like sucking monster of a theory that kind of subsumes and hides a whole bunch of really important conspiracies like the conspiracy of of tartaria is that tartaria itself 
is a is covering up things like yes it's covering up the nephilim it's covering up the flood it's covering up for freemasons it's covering up for trafficking it's covering up for so many things that i'm just and they laugh at you when you talk about any of these very real things that are happening in the world have happened in history because it all has to fit this narrative that's just internally inconsistent right and based on a lot of i said it so you believe it i think that those of our followers who believe in Tartaria also believe in Freemasons, also believe in. Well, like I things. said, I think that they take parts of this, but the point right. I've been trying to make is that it's co-opting things that you already believed in. Right. And, and what I'm saying whether is whether it's preterism or Freemasonry or Nephilim or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that what we're trying to say is like, this thing is not a good, not a good thing. Like it. yeah blanked out like it's it's interesting it's got interesting things it's got some compelling pieces to it that are worth talking about and we have we've talked about them for hours and hours but it's the the theory as a whole is just this sucking monster of a thing that is just just deceptive and right and kind of evil at the end of the day I think it is. I think it is. And that's what we're going to get into next is like, what is it these people are really searching for? Like, what is it? What is it that they're really after? And they're after the, the, I, I said originally, I think that they're after a lot of the not Nephilim secrets, these demonic secrets of the past, mm-hmm. maybe even the Freemason secrets. And that's kind of where this goes. So the thing that they're always talking about, again, I hear a lot of Christian, con, Christian conspiracy, Christian Tartarian believers. That's the way I'll try to to phrase it. Cause again, this episode is kind of viewed through the lens of the, the Christian people were talking about this, the preterist view and stuff like that. Right. And they'll talk about the aether, but I don't think they know what, where that comes from. And I think it's actually important to this theory of, of the, the root origin of aether. So aether and people say ether, but when you look it up, it actually is, I believe supposed to be pronounced aether. That's aether. actually what okay. it says. Um, but what it doesn't really matter. That's what I'm going to call it. A E T H E R. Some people will spell E T H E R, which is a starter fluid, which is why I have a hard time calling it ether. Cause that's a <laughs> starter fluid um, that we would use on tractors growing up. So aether was the Greek deity who, who personified the upper air. She was also known as the great mother of the gods also called uh Sybil or Sybil. Sybil. Yeah. Sybil. Okay. And in alchemy, she's known as the prima materia or the first matter. Gotcha. So this this primitive, formless base that all matter comes from, it's also similar to the chaos. This is actually a concept in Genesis of separating the light from the dark, pulling right. things from the prima materia, pulling things out of chaos, right? Right. And in the mm. Theatrum Chemicum, which is a compendium of early alchemical writings, it states this. They have compared the prima materia to everything, to male and female, to the hermaphroditic monster, to heaven and earth, to the body and spirit, chaos, microcosm, and the confused mass. It contains in and of itself all colors and potentially all metals. There is nothing more wonderful in the world for it, for it begets itself, conceives itself, and gives birth to itself. Martin Rudland, uh, the younger, lists more than 50 synonyms for the prima materia in his 1612 alchemical dictionary. And in that dictionary, he also says, the philosophers have so greatly admired the creature of God, which is called the prima materia or primal matter, especially concerning its efficiency and mystery. And that, 
and that they have given to it many names and almost every possible description for they have not known how to sufficiently praise it. So this is the God of the alchemists. This is okay. their, this is their beginning and end. This is their alpha and the omega. This is the thing they want to worship. And these are the names that they give their God. The, and there's 84 of them, but so I'm not going to read them all. But uh, there's the philosoph- philosophical stone. There's nebula, the bride, spouse, mother, Eve, pure and uncontaminated virgin, the serpent, the dragon, angel of violet light, mercury, chaos, and most interesting of them all, tartar of the philosophers. <laughs> so there's all these weird names. And this is the thing that I, this is where I'm coming back to where I think that these theorists are onto one thing that is true. I think that these people did have aether technology because I think they discovered the secrets of alchemy mm. and they hid the secrets of alchemy in the church, in their cities, in their buildings. And again, mm. you can't say Freemasons, even though they were the alchemists right. and holding the secrets of alchemy. But I think that's what this is. I don't think this is some weird race of Asian giants that were peaceful utopia that mm-hmm. worshiped Helios and all this other nonsense that people are talking about. I think these are the ancient alchemists and their secrets. And we're seeing, we're looking back at these old buildings and we're seeing weird symbols, which again is something we normally would have talked about pre-Tartaria. Right. And we're like, hey, these people are talking about this mother of God figure right. that they're setting these churches up to this <laughs> pure uncontaminated virgin mother of God, prima materia thing that they're setting up their churches to. And in these churches are setting up Greek gods. And in these churches, they're setting up iconography of angels sleeping with humans as if it's a good thing. And in these churches, they're doing stuff that seems really not Christian. And yeah. I think that's the point that we're trying to make is like, and again, I come back to saying what I said at the beginning. I think if you believe in Jesus Christ, I think, you you know, we can disagree on things. I don't have a problem with, because I know this is going, this is the Catholic church is what I'm talking about, obviously. Right. I don't have a problem with Catholics. I think that the Catholic church and its leadership is something darker than Catholics want to believe a lot of the time. Right. I know that pisses people off. We have different beliefs. I get it. Right. But it's really hard for... It's, I can't get past the fact that like there's no, nowhere in the Bible where it's like, yeah, keep your Asherah poles, keep your ball worship, but have me there as well. And Zeus in the temple of God, yeah. right? Zeus ball. Zeus is, is, is that. It's the same guy, right? Yeah. So anyway, I think, the, I think these people are alchemists and I think they might have been onto something and they might have set these churches up in that way. I don't know. Well, if you look at the root of like all the secret societies, they all seem, they're like, we have secrets, but it seems to be like, wink, wink, it's mm-hmm. alchemy. It is, right? It's alchemy. Like, and everyone knew it was alchemy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And in fact, I think a lot of the technology we have comes from really kind of weird alchemical origins. And I'll just show you this. This actually came up in my uh, Tartaria research as well. Um, about kind of the, the root of sim, the occult symbols in electronic schematics. Hmm. People are talking about these cities looking like electronic schematics. They're also looking like the Kabbalist, Kabbalistic tree of life. It's the same picture? It's the same picture. Occult and magical symbols resemble so closely electronic schematics. Arthur C. Clarke famously said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Many of the world's greatest scientists and inventors were deeply in touch with the occult, including Thomas Edison. 
In the 1990s, a group of researchers created the Scully experiment, in which they received a schematic to communicate with the spirit world. They were given detailed instructions on how to build a device containing a germanium crystal that would help them communicate with the spirit world. Using this device in combination with 35mm film, the Scully group received images that appeared to feature faces and even words in Sanskrit and Latin. Some of the researchers involved with this group included Cambridge professors. Much of the information regarding this experiment has disappeared from the internet. Why is... So yeah, it, it seems like what we keep coming back to time and time again, whether it's AI, when we look at Searle's yeah. demons and all the, all the demonic influences over, over the development of computers and AI right. and electronics and technology and vibrational stuff. It's one of those things where it's like, yes, we use technology. But I think this is one of those cases that's like the weapons that are formed against you, you use back against the enemy at, at a sure. certain point. I do think, and this is kind of just my personal thought, I think that the pursuit of these things and what it takes to get them it's is something the demonic, thing. is yeah. the evil thing. Because uh, it seems like we just keep finding this over and over and over again. And I got a few more examples. And some of these examples are in the proofs that some of this Tartarian tech that we're talking about, this free energy tech actually works. And, and, Again, it seems like it just keeps coming back to it works, but they got it from demons. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so the first uh, one, this one, maybe not from demons, but the first one is uh, we, I see all these people trying to prove the Aether stuff. They will show that you can get free energy from the sky. And what they'll do is they will take a they'll take a drone. They'll fly it up into the air with a piece of string and then mm -hmm. a metal and then more mm -hmm. string. Mm -hmm. Does that sound familiar at all? They're literally recreating Thomas Edison's kite with the key with drones oh, as if like, they discovered something new. Oh my God. <laughs> Which I find really, really funny. Um, the problem is in this science that people are pointing to about aether mm -hmm. gathering mm -hmm. is they're saying that the drone or the kite or whatever works because it's not grounded the same way that a building is. Okay. So the further the building goes up, yes, there's electrons. The further you go up in the air, it's like a hundred volts right. per meter going right. upwards. But when you build a building or even as a person, it that voltage curves around those things. So it doesn't quite prove their theory that you can just put an antenna on a building and gather the aether or yeah. Ben Franklin. Who did I say? You said Thomas Edison. I meant Ben Franklin. Thank you for whoever we, we called know. me out on that. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just want to point out, I found it was funny. I'm like watching yeah. these people like they're discovering a new thing. I'm like, you're just doing <laughs> Ben Franklin's thing. You're just, yeah. <laughs> the interesting one. Uh, is orgone energy. This comes up a mm, lot. Okay. Have you heard of orgone no. energy or organite? No? Organ Organs? Orga <laughs> not quite the root of this word. Okay. Not quite. See, that's not how that works, right? Just because it sounds similar doesn't There is a root it. that starts with org, though. Oh, uh, no. So, mm -hmm. so this ah. is said to be... <laughs> This is said to be free energy discovered and used in the Tower of Babel, according to a lot of Tartarian boards that I read, which I find okay. very interesting. They're saying Wait. it's organite, not aether this time. It's organite <sighs> okay. or organ energy. Mm. Uh, and this is a concept from a guy named Wilhelm Reich who wanted to harness the energy of an orgasm. Sex magic. <laughs> and, and, it's and he, all sex magic. <laughs> And he did this with a thing called an organ accumulator, a room, a box someone would go into and ah. induce such energies. God. Uh, <laughs> not making this up. I wish I was. Uh, Reich said that orgone is a massless, omnipotent substance similar to uh, luminiferous aether. 
but more closely associated with the vital living energy than in inert matter. So aether would be this inert chaos matter. Yeah. And orgone is a very energetic matter. Got so it. Crowley this guy, would love this shit. He Crowley would be all about the orgone generators. And in fact, all of Crowley's favorite people are really into organite. Ah, uh, yeah. So check this out. Here's a video about it. Organite is making a comeback B- before I say that this guy oh started in the 1940s making organite pyramids and then he made these things called cloud busters and it's basically this organ energy like tower to the sky and he said if you pointed it at clouds it would break up the clouds and people are saying I don't know if there's any truth to this. They're saying that they're doing this to get rid of chemtrails and stuff like that. So maybe this this uh, uh-huh. sex magic actually works. I'm not saying that it doesn't. I actually sex believe magic to control the weather. Nice sex magic to control the weather is where the Tartarians are taking this. So check this out. The reason why Drake keeps organite generators all over his mansions is going to leave you absolutely speechless. Now, organite or orgone generators produce life force energy. Quartz crystals This is and why copper. this Illuminati puppet, <laughs> Drake, talks about sitting beside some good energy when he has these in his stories. He's very aware that he needs to keep some good energy around him. Let's just say that. On top of that, these devices neutralize and transmute the harmful effects of EMF radiation. As you can see, the EMF reader goes to zero here. And it's proven that electromagnetic frequencies are damaging us on a DNA and a cellular level. Here's another example of an organ generator neutralizing EMF radiation. You can see the EMF reader is reading about 300 and it goes right down to about zero here. And just by doing a frozen water test, you can see the insane amount of energy coming off these things. Here is another example of this. This is why cats and dogs will always choose to sleep beside organ generators. Not to mention, they also boost the yield and the growth of plants by three times the amount. They also keep food fresher for longer and induce a deeper sleep and insanely vivid dreams. That's why I always keep them beside my bed. And for the best organite devices, click the link in my bio. I got free shipping worldwide for you guys. Ah, Peace and love. There it is. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> It'll give you really good dreams, bro. Uh, and I, so I looked in these organite things and everything you read or listen to or watch about is stupidly new agey and they're just full of occult symbolism. So like here is just a quick search on Google and it's just pentagrams and Kabbal- Kabbalistic tree of life stuff and the eye of Ra. Uh, there's another tree of life Fibonacci sequences. Mm-hmm. It's just this in their pyramids. They're like really occultic. Yeah weird things that get their origin in sex magic. So again, for the Christian conspiracy theorist, (laughs) maybe, maybe not organite, maybe organize not the thing. Uh, Going back to, but again, like the Tartarian thing is this is all great, wonderful technology. We should all be using. And back to the preterist thing. Like if this is all the technology that came out of the kingdom of, of Christ. It's a little hard for me to believe, That's, but we already yeah. have the, we already have that, that video in the beginning where it's like, well, actually the Freemasons and the child sacrifice cults and all, they were the good people really. Yeah. It's mm. see, this is my point. This, this is the problem with taking a theory that is uniquely and purposefully occult and Gnostic right. and trying to fit it back in your Christian worldview. Um, it, it, it's not good. Doesn't work. Does harm to your Christianity. Right. So Rife Machines is another one that comes out. And this, this one is interesting to me because this one seems a little bit more on the cymatic 
side of things. So there's this American scientist named Royale Raymond Reif who invented a device in the 1920s that produced low energy vibes. Can you go back to low the vibes. vibes and crystals, bro? Oh, um, boy. <laughs> and he believed that they could unravel the cell structure of cancer without harming mm. the rest of the body by tuning these low energy vibes to specific cancers. Now there's an app. People believe this works. These machines cost like $6,000. You can buy Rife machines. I think it's his great nephew is, uh, found his, this is his story. And again, I don't know if I believe the guy or not. Mm -hmm. Um, but he says he found his old papers and he's reconfigured the Rife machines. You can buy them online and they're a therapeutic as in they will do good for good stuff and bad for bad stuff. And you can tune them to all these frequencies. There's an app called Z app that you can download that supposedly does these frequencies without the Rife machine. I'm not hmm. sure. Again, I don't know the Rife machine. You're supposed to like hold on to these things and it sends vibrational energy through your body. It's another one of those ones. that's like on the verge of pseudoscience. WebMD talks about it and kind of a, maybe it works. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't kind of way, yeah. um, which I find interesting that they gave it even a little bit of credit. So maybe there is something to it. Uh, but it talked about rife machines and cancer and the history of rife machines and how they're used as a therapeutic. And the risk is like, well, we don't think it does anything, but it costs $6,000 and it's not covered by your insurance. We're not sure it works. Yeah. So at worst, they don't, probably don't harm you, but like, I'm not sure how I feel about the rife machine. Maybe there's some truth to it. It does seem like there must be though, because Tesla is using the rife machine supposedly in their new med beds, this thing that's coming out where it, it huh. literally these med beds, which is, sending the vibrational frequencies through your body to like, huh. I don't know, good vibe. It's all good vibe stuff, which always makes me a little, yeah, I know it feels really like uh, Orwellian and like well, not cool to me. The Anunnaki people have been like, yeah, they're okay. So there's the beds. link. I didn't even realize they're, that. Yeah. The, so the all of this angels. technology is yeah. like fallen angel tech. They're yeah. Cause th what I've been hearing from my sources in the Anunnaki, yeah. like wild, wildly, Anunnaki community is like they're they're in the process of like rolling these out disclosure giving us this technology the med beds in particular I'm yeah. I'm really surprised to see Tesla working on this because it's interesting right wow yeah so talking about Tesla obviously we got to talk about Tesla a little bit and again Tesla deserves a full episode on that whole thing I don't know how much I think is overblown and what's not um, but there's this tower that appeared in Texas in 2017 hmm. and, uh, they're calling it the Tesla tower. Cause it looks like Tesla's, uh, warden cliff tower that he okay. built and was not able to continue to fund. You just can afford it. I guess the story. And, uh, there's a company called visive technologies that's responsible for the construction of this tower in Milford. And they say that that is what it is. It is a Tesla tower. They're experimenting with, and they're trying to see huh. if they can essentially send wireless energy. I think we need to cover Tesla in a deeper dive. Some we point, need a whole Tesla episode for yeah. sure. But I have read some stuff where it's like, yes, Tesla's technology worked, but it might not have been just the fact that he wanted to give away free energy. There's like all this science behind like, well, can you actually transmit like energy drops off significantly over periods of time? And it might've actually been right. more costly to build Tesla towers than to just run lines. Right. And I'm not saying they didn't, sensor Tesla or whatever. I, I, I'm just right. saying I do. I think some of it's a little overblown, right? Maybe generally if a technology works, you come out on top because you can make money with it. Yeah. And that wouldn't, if it power. worked as well as they say, wouldn't they just stolen it from him and used it? Right. I don't know. Like th there's a certain amount that you can censor something. Right. If, if 
you are already big and the <coughs> the up and coming technology you're like oh i'm gonna shoot <clears throat> that down but tesla and edison were like working at the same time right you yeah, think yeah. that whoever had the better technology would have the power to in a way win. tesla did win though we use ac and Edison was decent. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Fair. <clears throat> um, they, yeah. They both kind of won a little They both kind of won a little bit. Uh, but I, I mean, I do believe that there's like weird stuff with the fact that they stole Tesla's designs and maybe right. I'm not saying that there's not a conspiracy there. I'm not like, but right. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's just a little overblown and <laughs> with was, the way that the Tesla yeah. punk has kind of became like a o- overly used thing a little bit. He was definitely talking to demons too. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Maybe well, it's good. we just Maybe released it's an episode. We... <laughs> we just released. Yeah, I think he was. That would be a good part of the episode to cover. But like he was also friends with uh, Alistair Crowley and yeah, all of course yeah. He was. so yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I just want to point that out. Like these things are still being worked on. There is there is these things that people are looking back on the, the Tartarian technology that either didn't go away or mm-hmm. are being rediscovered or were hidden. Uh, I think by, again, by big oil, by, by big pharma, things like right. that. Like we have a lot of other people to blame than this fictional group of right that was existed specifically because people didn't know what to call a region of Asia. I don't know why we had to blow this up right. into everything. Um, but was this, was this, uh, energy doing more than just good vibes and, and healing hmm. was the energy actually enough to give this free energy, this Tartarian free energy, this aether free energy stuff, to everybody. This, this orgone orgasm to do stuff. Question mark with what are they was, doing with this energy? Oh shit. Was it, um, was it more than just some healing energy? Was it every single thing that your body needed? That's the question that we have to ask. And that brings us to this interesting article from this plumbing website. That this oh boy. <laughs> you know, you know, it's a good conspiracy theory when you had to pull up a plumbing website. Mm. Uh, this French palace had no toilets until the eighth, 18th century. Okay. The legendary palace of Versailles began as a hunting lodge in 1624. And after more than a century and a half of building, which con- included some of the most impressive construction campaigns in world's history, hmm. toilets were added in the 18th century. That's not toilets for the masses, servants, or even guests. That's any toilets at all. Of course, there were temporaries that could be brought to rooms by servants or some of the thousands of nobles staying in the palace. 300 plus guest rooms could be bring their own comforts, including a portable commode. Some would wait until dusk and rush to the lawn outside, making the scenic walk as unwelcome and smelly place to stroll. Oh, boy. Happily, toilets were added in 1768, a mere 144 years after the original construction. So this this whole thing gets brought up a lot as in these people were so advanced that they didn't need to eat, they didn't need to drink, and therefore they didn't have to use the toilet because they got all their energy from the ah, aether. Uh-huh. And they use this word that I've been making fun of a few times here and there called breatharians. Ah. As in uh-huh. they, they breathed in and got all their energy and nutrients. They didn't, they didn't eat or, and what shocked me (laughs) was not just the fact that like outhouses in couldn't possibly explain this commodes, you know, chamber pots, things like that. And again, everything we have, they got the toilets before, before the great reset. I'm just pointing out on your timeline, Tartarians, they got the toilets before the great reset. Uh, so that doesn't really jive with your theory. But that couldn't be it. It's because this one palace in France didn't have toilets for 140 years. Mm-hmm. 
It has to be that they were breatharians. I found out to, to my shock, to my shock and surprise that the Tartarian conspiracy theorists did not make up breatharians. They didn't. They did not. There is a history of this. Oh my so God. So you ready for the history of breatharians? This is my no. favorite part of the show. No, I'm not. So this started with the Rosicrucians. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. In 1670, there's a Rosicrucian text, uh, Camote de Gabias, which attributed the practice to the physician and occultist Parakesius uh, from okay. 1493 to 1541, who is described as having lived several years by taking in only half a scruple of solar quintessence. <laughs> in this book, it is also stated that Pericles affirms that he has seen many of the sages fast 20 years without eating and anything whatsoever. So breatharianism goes all the way back to the late 1400s or 1600s when the Rosicrucians okay. are talking about it. There's also this guy named Ram Bahudur Bojan, who's a Nepanese Buddhist monk, and he appears to go for long periods of time without ingesting either food or water. And one such period was chronicled in a 2006 Discovery Channel documentary titled The Boy with Divine Power, which oh. reported that Bajan neither moved, ate, drank, or anything for 96 hours of filming. And the documentary, the documentary makers were, however, prevented from filming him continuously for that period of time. Huh. So his claims, yeah, his claims never been uh, objectively verified. Yeah. And he's been accused of rape, kidnapping, and physical abuse of his followers. Oh, so yeah. trustworthy dude. Great guy. 96 yeah. hours. And again, 96 hours is not like that impressive to not eat or drink. Right. You can survive that. That's anyway. Yeah. It's three days. There's a guy named uh, Prahald Johnny, and he's an Indian Sandhu who who claimed to have lived without food or water for more than 70 years. This one's really impressive. Okay. In 2003 and 2010, he was studied for 10 days without eating or drinking. Two times. Except the experiment did not did allow him to move out of the CCTV cameras. Uh -huh. And it did allow him to meet his devotees and it uh -huh. did allow him to leave the room to sunbathe. Uh-huh. Maybe not the best, but so, the guy who really nailed it. Got it. It's this guy named Wiley Brooks. Okay. He is the founder of a thing I didn't know was a real thing. The Breatharian Institute of America. Oh boy. And he, <laughs> but he stopped teaching shortly before his death in 2016 to quote, devote hundred percent of his time on solving the problem as to why he needed to eat some type of food to keep his physical body alive. So he was really perplexed why he needed to eat to, to not die. Yeah. Weird. So he left, devoted weird. all of his time to figuring this out and then died. Ah, uh, but even more interesting is in 1983, he was reportedly observed leaving a Santa Cruz 7-Eleven with a Slurpee, a hot dog, Twinkies, and Twinkies. Oh, and God. He, he told Colors Magazine in 2003 that he periodically breaks his fasting with a cheeseburger and a cola, explaining that when he's surrounded by junk culture and junk food, consuming them adds balance. Ah. So this is the yin and yang. It's don't eat at all and then McDonald's. Mm. Uh, he really sounds like it. a really healthy relationship with food. <laughs> yes, he really believed in McDonald's. This guy later claimed that all McDonald's are constructed on properties that are protected by the fifth dimensional high energy slash spiritual portals. <laughs> and he, encouraged, <laughs> he encouraged the consumption of diet Coke and McDonald's double quarter pounders with cheese. And then he has another quote that says it's also acceptable though. If you can't do that, 
it's acceptable to combine two quarter pounders with cheeseburgers to make for one double quarter pounder if you can't get the double quarter pounder with cheese where you live. And he also discouraged the consumption of any type of water at all. Wow. So I did. I just thought that you guys might find it interesting that breatharianism was not made up by the Tartarians. It's just another like, <laughs> wild thing that's been co-opted. Co-opted. <laughs> but the reason I brought this up, jokes aside, the reason I brought up breatharians wasn't just to make fun of the craziest part of the Tartarian theory. It's that this has been taken by mm-hmm. the preterist view. It's yeah. that the lack of bathrooms explains that uh, the, these people who lived there were the perfect bodies of the resurrected resurrected saints perfect it, bodies but they're still sinful and they're having wars that yes and also they had kitchens and dining rooms yeah so Weird. again couldn't be outhouse <laughs> couldn't be outhouses uh it has to be that they're the perfect resurrected bodies or breatharians who really like cheeseburgers the re- <laughs> so in conclusion i want to wrap this show up so in conclusion in conclusion <laughs> Go eat a double cheeseburger. But if you can't get a double quarter pounder, you can get yeah. a single quarter pounder yeah. and another single quarter pounder. Another single. You can stack them on you top of each them. other and wash it down with Coke. This is acceptable because of the uh, balance. Got no, it. I just, I want to ask a question. Legitimate. I have two questions to ask the audience. And one of them is why do Christians need Tartaria? Like right. this has been the thing that I'm trying to get to the whole time. Like why, again, even if you're a preterist, why do you need the Tartarian thing to be true. Why do you have to co-opt things? Like these are people who co-opted your belief system, right? Added in a bunch of easily disproven bullshit, gave it back to you and you feel the need to, to, to run to with it. And it. I don't, yeah. I don't understand this, right? It. Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I'm not a believer in the preterist worldview, but I understand if you are, why does Tartaria have to be a part of it? And we could right. have this debate another time. But the reason that this bothers me is there, there's a Reddit thread that I came across. Not the reason, a reason this bothers me. And the reason I want to ask right. this question and the question was, was Tartaria Christ or Satan's kingdom? Because as we pointed out, you've got mm. people doing orgasm energy and worshiping the Aether and putting the right. Greek gods in their churches. Alchemy. Alchemy and wars and all kinds of terrible things, right? So people right. are asking the question because now they have to believe in Tartaria as a Christian mm-hmm. and they have to ask the question, well, was this the millennial reign or is this Satan's kingdom, Right. Right. And and the response to to it's interesting from two people. One of them says neither. That would be to assume that religion as we've been taught is the truth. If nothing else, Tartaria shows us that it's not. Mm. So again, a, 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 a Gnostic theory that's made to show you that the Bible and all of religion is false. Mm-hmm. Why the, are you co-opting? Why are you trying to guys. bring this? Yeah. Like, why are you trying right. to bring this into your faith? That's, the whole, that's yeah, because the whole point of it is that the bad guys are the good guys <clears throat> and the evil technologies that are demonic are good and we should have them back. It, exactly, right? And it, and it, the further you get into it, the more Gnostic it gets. In fact, uh, I'll read this next Reddit comment in a minute, but I just want to point this out. In my research this week, I found the most blatant stuff about this just being, this is all about Gnosticism. I found, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, even about Anatoly Fomenko, you know, like he's... He believes that revelation was written in 1486. He believes mm-hmm. all he believes that Jesus was this tax, like all these things. He believes his whole point is to disprove the Bible. And in fact, in the Christian Tartarian theorist podcast that I listen to, uh, I've heard things like God is a demiurge, which is the whole Gnostic belief. I heard that DMT Jesus came and told me to be a psychic. And mm. because he taught me how to be a psychic, by the way, he's a lizard. Uh, he lizard speaks with Jesus. me directly on what is Tartarian and what is the truth about Tartaria. And this was like one of the bigger 
podcasts. So I just, it, it keeps coming up time and time again. Right. It's like Mary uh, Magdalene is actually who were, who the churches were set up to worship and, and Mary Magdalene had a bunch of sons and they were the Kings of the millennial kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also heard people say that it wasn't Jesus reigning for a thousand years. It was Jesus's sons. Or I think I just said that, but Jesus's sons through Mary Magdalene, which is a Gnostic belief. Mm-hmm. So even in the quote unquote Christian part of this, they're all trending towards or just openly adopting Gnostic heresies and beliefs. This is the close hand thing I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Right. And in fact, there's a Reddit comment. It's a little long. I'm going to read this and then we'll, we'll go over and talk with you guys on on, uh, rumble and stuff like that. That I think exemplifies exactly what happens when your faith is entirely dependent on the validity of an online conspiracy theory. Mm, Okay. And it says this, uh, and it's again, same question. Is this Satan's kingdom or is this God's kingdom that we're talking about? And he says, I do not believe either is true. I was raised as a Christian, went my own way for a whole, uh, for a whole. And in my adult life, I think it meant while for a while. And in my adult life became a Christian again, the more I learned, the more I fell out of touch with any other Christian around me, which I reached a pinnacle when I found preterism, there was no longer any point in trying to avoid it. The entire new Testament is emphatic. The end was imminent. The day of the Lord was coming soon. The living believers were in the tribulation in the first century and the antichrists were already on the earth. There was no longer any way around it, but one thing was left on the table. What is going on right now? Where are we? And that's when I found Tartarian info, as well as the thousand years added on hypothesis. It seemed to answer all my questions. Christ did come back in the first century. Like he said, he would the destruction of the temple was the day of the Lord. Tartaria was the thousand year reign. And we now live in the short season where Satan is unbound to deceive the nations. I believe this fervently for a few months, but as time passed, the impassion faded. I looked at the things more logically and less emotionally and realized that I couldn't stand behind that belief. It would have made life easier, but I would have felt like I was intellectually dishonest today. I'm no longer a Christian, but a happy theist naturalist. I believe the entire new Testament is uh, X and Ventu. It was written after the destruction of the temple. It was written before, or sorry, it was not written after. It was written after the destruction of the temple as if it was before to fabricate prophecy. I think uh, anyone honest here will tell you no one knows what Tartaria was in the sense it is often used. As far as historically known it as an empire in the northeastern part of Europe that was very vast and had been some reason spoken about in academics recently, but it is really the name that has been co-opted to refer to pretty much any and all advanced architecture and society that modern historical records can account. And I don't, uh, and I don't think that most people living in these societies would have called themselves Tartarians outside of those who live in the Northeastern Europe. Regardless, these old world buildings and cities are incredibly interesting, though. I don't believe any of us will ever truly know what they're about just speculation. So what he's saying as long, I'm sorry. What he's saying is I believed in Christ. I adopted a a preterist worldview. I then had to supplement with Tartarian. And then I realized that Tartarian stuff is largely full of shit. Mm. It's mostly lies. I can't pretend to believe in the mud flood or the, I can't ignore the evidence that the world's fair was not what I've been told by the Tartarians. So now that I've brought this in as this is, this is the linchpin to my faith. And then I look at the evidence and see that it's mostly bullshit. Now my faith is gone. And this is like, this is the, this sad, it's a really sad story. It's, it's like that blown about by the wind thing from Mm -hmm. James. Um, Here, maybe I'll pull up this first. I'll save it for, um, yeah, for the rumble section. 
And again, like I said, I think that there's things in this that we all find interesting and want to talk about. I think they've been co-opted. I don't think you have to adopt this as a whole, as in you have to believe the entire and everything of it. And I think it's actually kind of bad for your faith. This is speaking Mm -hmm. to Christians. I think it's bad for your faith to need to fit your faith into a bunch of half. I think I think a lot of these people are shit posters, too. So like you're also letting shit posters decide what you believe. They're like purposefully going to these threads and lying to see if it'll catch on. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, that wraps up the, all I've ever wanted to say about Tartaria times too much. (laughs) I have out talked this theory. I'm so excited. We got some great stuff for you guys coming up in October guys. We've got uh, Tony Merkel coming on the show. We got Paul Stobbs coming on the show. We're going to be talking about uh, Marina Abramovich and we've promised you that we're going to talk about uh, the Vegas shooting. And I yeah. think it's the six year, six years since it's been five or six years. So we're going to talk like about that in six years. Why there's still no answers to what this crazy biggest shooting in America uh, was. Uh, so all that and more, we're going to be doing some game streams coming up soon. So we'll put that stuff in the discord. We're going to be playing some scary games throughout October. We've got a lot of stuff coming up for you guys. Thank you for being here. If you're listening, come over to rumble, hang out with us one Wednesday night, uh, come over and support us and get our Thursday night show unhinged. Last thing. If you are a subscriber to Unhinged on our locals pinned at the top, you guys can put whatever TikToks, questions, things you want us to react to on tomorrow night's show. So if you've got any questions, if you've got any videos you want us to watch or articles you want us to read and talk about, get them in there. Comment on the uh, on the post. If you're, a, if you're a member, you'll be able to comment. Uh, and and uh, we'll just go and talk to you guys. Do you have anything to chat with people? No, let's go. All right, let's do it. Have a great night, everyone. God bless. Bye.